This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. What's good, baby? It's Damian Barling, one half of D-Lo and KC, and thank you so much for downloading the podcast here. We really appreciate it, and hopefully you're a subscriber of the podcast. That way you get every single episode, every single day, every single interview, every single clip, every single bit of King's News delivered right here to your mobile device. It doesn't matter if you're subscribing through Apple, Spotify, Google Play. It doesn't matter if you're subscribing through Stitcher or the Odyssey app. You'll get every single episode delivered right here to your mobile device. And if you're using one of the platforms that allow you to rate and review the show, please do, particularly on Apple Podcasts, as I know that's where most of you are listening from. If you could hit the five-star review, if you think we're worth it, it only takes a split second. And if you could leave a review, that would be great as well. The review's cool. Again, it only takes a couple of seconds to do that, but it literally takes just a split second to hit that five-star button, man. We really appreciate you for being here with us. Enjoy the show. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. We got him screaming, D-Lo, KC, D-Lo, KC, D-Lo, KC, D-Lo. We got him screaming, D-Lo, KC, D-Lo, KC, D-Lo, D-Lo. Number one spot, your number one spot, punch some sports, huh? Got the city going crazy when we work, huh? We top two, but we ain't two, we in first, huh? And when you need the real, we is who you search, huh? D-Lo, KC, D-Lo, KC, D-Lo, KC, D-Lo, we your number one spot. Hey, yo! What's good, what's good? Matter of fact, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up! Game might have been a couple of days ago, but Sacramento yeah. Kings are winning some basketball games. Come on, Zell. They do not know what Sacktown brings. Win on the low, that's a Sacktown thing. Talking about us, it's a bounce out thing. Must they forgot we some Sacramento Kings. Whole squad going crazy, yeah, we back with it. Northern Cali going crazy, one sack winning. If you doubted us, then ain't no backspinning. This is real right here, ain't no catfishing. Uh, so tell me what you see now. Coming down the lane off the rebound. It's 916 now. Look toward the sky like the beam now. Tell them like the beam. Hey. Like the, like the beam now. You can tell them, you can tell them like the beam. That boy Young Dell. Tell them like the beam. Appreciate you so much for tapping in. Shout out to our man Young Zell right there on the intro. As always, we welcome you in here to the Monday. February 5th edition of D-Lo and KC. I'm Damian Barling. The ultimate needle mover in God mode himself. Kenny Caraway. Acknowledge me. Is out today. Uh, hopefully he'll be back with us 
later on this week. Uh, but our man KC is out, so we holding things down here today. Will Z is going to be with us coming up later on in the show because we've got a big one in Cleveland tonight. The Sacramento Kings take on the red-hot Cleveland Cavaliers. Cavs, I don't know if y'all been paying attention. The Cavs have been winning a ton of basketball games. So we'll talk uh, a lot about them. We'll talk a lot about uh, that matchup. And then, of course, our man James Ham from the Insiders uh, will join us coming up in the 3 o'clock hour. And whoever else wants to join us can join us. Kyle's here. Jesse's here. Uh, we in good shape today, uh, even though our partner in crime is out. Uh, the Sacramento Kings won two over the weekend. Shout out to everybody who came through Sky River Casino on Friday. Uh, what a great night it was. We were pulled in a lot of different directions following the broadcast, but it was so dope to see, uh, one, how many people came for the live show. That's always uh, just an amazing feeling that I share with everybody that you guys come out and watch this show live and then hung out and watched basketball. Um, a tremendous environment, a great place uh, to watch games and you know for anyone who came through I'm so, I'm so sorry we were pulled in so many different directions uh, that day but there's a lot going on at Sky River Casino that we were a part of and uh, it was great to be able to uh, run out of one of our meetings and celebrate with everybody as the Sacramento Kings beat the Indiana Pacers and it was like okay this is already a really really positive road trip we had talked you know following we had talked following the last game when they when they lost to uh, Miami, like, hey, I, I, I'm going to put a little bit more emphasis, whether fair or unfair, you know, just or unjust. I'm going to put a little more emphasis on this Indiana game, not because it's Indiana, not because it's Tyrese, not because they, you know, beat us in Sacramento, no, nothing like that. But, like, they had won, they had lost four in a row, they had won four in a row. Okay, the win streak snaps, you lose Miami. Now what? Can you regroup right away and go out and beat a tough Indiana team? And that's exactly what they did. Uh, that's what I wanted to see. The win in Chicago, though I think they're a much better basketball team than the Chicago Bulls, that was the cherry on top. The second night of a back-to-back, probably a little bit of emotion uh, in the Indiana game, and I think that's always going to be the case uh, between these two teams, whether uh, acknowledged or not. There's always going to be a, a little a little something there, a little something extra when those two teams play, and I think there's always something extra when you're playing a – Eastern Conference team that beat you last time. Um, so the fact that they got that dub and then went out and beat Chicago and I already see uh, securing the bag lane and talking about, yeah, they almost blew a 30-point lead, LOL. I mean, I, yeah, so what? The 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 Milwaukee Bucks did blow a third. They blew a lead to the Utah Jazz in the fourth quarter. That stuff happens far more than you guys are willing to acknowledge that it does. It happens all of the time in the league. I'm not saying it's not frustrating. I'm not saying that it didn't, like, yeah, it was frustrating watching that Chicago Bulls game. But we talk about this all of the time, man. Like, Phoenix? I just felt they were losing that Phoenix game. Like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. You could see it. They were up seven. Texans, they, they, they're, they're going to lose this game, aren't they? I never thought they were losing the Chicago game. Yeah, they didn't win by 30. Okay. They didn't lose either. They got the job done. De'Aaron Fox had 41 in that one. De'Aaron Fox, De'Aaron Fox not only had 41. Man, there's a lot. 
there's a lot to talk about, I think, with that Chicago game. I think there's a lot to talk about with both of these games. De'Aaron Fox, let's because I'm I'm starting with the wrong number. I'm starting with 41, and I don't want to be one of them 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 people who gravitate towards points. De'Aaron Fox has had 11 steals in the last two games. De'Aaron Fox is now third in the league in steals. He's behind the league's beloved SGA. He's behind another certified all-star in Donovan Mitchell. And then there he is, De'Aaron Fox. 1.8 steals per game on the season. Third in the league. He was as active over that back-to-back stretch with Indiana and Chicago as I think we've ever seen. He was everywhere in that game. And what he's doing defensively is what takes Sacramento and De'Aaron Fox to the next level. What Keegan has done defensively has been phenomenal. Like Keegan guarding the best guarding the best player on the other team for 48 minutes in some cases, or you know, you know what I mean, for an entire game. That's that's incredible. And the evolution of Keegan Murray both on the defensive end and the offensive end is likely the Sacramento Kings' future. But De'Aaron Fox elevating on the defensive end right now, mm, I think that's a big reason that we're looking at what we're looking at with Sacramento. A 5-1 and one road trip right now from Sacramento. Now you stretch out. Now is where you get into that conversation uh, that Kenny has brought up a couple of times about, hey, it's not just the four-game winning streak. It's not just the fact that they've won six of their last seven. Yeah, it was a tough loss to the Pacers. That was because they played really well against Phoenix, you know, with the exception of the final seven minutes. They played a really good 41 minutes of basketball. It's not enough. I'm not suggesting it's enough. But they did. And then you had the Bucks game where they were fantastic. Missed free throws. Let Dame do what he do. You took an L. Got your ass kicked by Philadelphia. But then you go beyond that, and you've got a Hornets win right there. You've got a Pistons win. Take it a step further. Y'all want blowout wins. Bad basketball teams. Okay. You got a blowout win against Charlotte. You got a blowout win against Detroit. And so now the sample size, and if I date this back, that's January 9th. We're looking at nearly a month. A month-long sample size with some L's in there. But a month-long sample size of, it's a, it's a good team. This team's playing good ball. The Miami game is tough to make heads or tails of because I didn't think they played great in that one. I actually thought they I thought they were in a really good position to win that game because Miami didn't play at all like I expected. I thought Miami was going to come out just hot, and they didn't. And when Sacramento made that run in the second quarter, I thought, hey, Kings might get this one. Kings leave Miami with a win. Boy, that is major, major. But it didn't happen. But I'd argue like they weren't awful in that game. I just don't think they were particularly good. It wasn't their best basketball. But again, the sample size, like this isn't to me what we're seeing from the Sacramento Kings right now. And I think what makes Kings fans antsy is we're four days away from the trade deadline. But what I see from Kings basketball right now is 
not what we saw in October or November. That's not what I'm seeing from this basketball team. I'm seeing, and I mean, no one is, because now the biggest difference is it's, it's clearly you've got two starters playing like starters again. Herter and Harrison weren't great against Chicago, but I don't even have any beef with how they played. Especially because of the way De'Aaron was playing, the way Malik was playing, and the way Trey Lyles was playing. Malik, we're going to talk about that as the show progresses, but Malik is back. We've been waiting for that for a couple of games, and he brought Trey Lyles with him. And I think that just goes to show you what an important like Malik is just the center of that universe for this second team. But De'Aaron on the defensive end, oh, he's playing like he got an attitude. And I don't think it has anything to do with the All-Star game because we've talked about this on Friday. We don't need to keep rehashing it. I, I believe Fox 100%. I don't think De'Aaron cares. I don't think he cares about the accolades. I don't think he cares about the acknowledgement. And I sure as hell don't think he cares about going to Indiana. I don't think it's that. I think it's the next evolution of De'Aaron Fox's game, which is amazing because we always talk about what's next for De'Aaron, what's next for De'Aaron, what's next for De'Aaron. Can his scoring ramp up a little bit? Can his three-point percentage ramp up a little bit? Can his free throw percentage Ramp up a little bit. Yes, yes, and yes. The next question was, is what can De'Aaron do defensively? And the signs of De'Aaron Fox being a top-tier, potentially an all-defensive player, have been there for years. We'll talk a lot more about that. We're just getting started. It's Dylan with KC. I'm solo today. Got Jesse with me, though. Got you with me, though. Phone lines are open for you, 916-909-1320 if you want to get in here. Salute to the Chatty House on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. We've got a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about Malik Monk. We're going to talk about De'Aaron Fox. We're dealing with Casey Return here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I was just talking through that whole commercial break, and Jesse was like, hey, man, you might want to shut up. We're coming back. Just letting you vibe out today. No, I appreciate it. We're talking about the Grammys, talking about Raw or SmackDown and um, again, thanking everybody who came through. Katrina made sure Donut Friday went uh, out at Sky River Casino, and those things came in clutch because uh, Kenny and I went over to check out the new humidor that is opening inside Sky River Casino. And so between the two glasses of bourbon I had during the show and the two glasses of bourbon I had after the show, with a complete lack of food, 
Uh, it made for a tough night until I realized that Katrina came through. Katrina and Ramsey came through uh, with some donuts that I had stashed away. So that got me kind of settled down as I was eating some of the things in the uh, in the humidor, which is going to be fire. It's going to open up this month, but that's the spot. That is just going to be an incredible place to hang out, man. We had a great time there. The it's a it's a it's a it's a five star experience for sure. The humidor at Sky River Casino is a five star experience, man. You're going to love it uh, if that's your bag. And even if it's not your bag, I still think you're going to love it because KC isn't a cigar smoker, and he was smoking one. Uh, my man Kevin from the Wake Up Call. I don't think he's a big cigar smoker. He had one. Like there were there they, they they find what suits you. And they they get you in a good place. Uh, so we had a good time. And, of course, it was all amplified by the fact that the Sacramento Kings beat the Indiana Pacers on Friday. And we're doing our best to kind of follow that game live so we can, you know, run back next door at 32 Brew Street and kind of have some idea of what was going on. And it felt like the stories uh, were pretty familiar. Fox was playing incredible. Sabonis was playing incredible. HB was having one of his games, and the long-awaited return of Malik Monk happened. Uh, Malik Monk, 23 points in that one on 9 of 14 shooting, and the best part is he just kept it going into Chicago. 22 points in that one, 55 game, fifty-five points uh, in the last two games uh, for Malik. And, I don't know, coincidentally or not, Malik had a big outing. Trey had a big outing. And we all know those are the two kind of centerpieces of, I mean, really Malik is the centerpiece of the King's second unit, right? But Trey Lyles has always been an incredibly important piece because he is just a chill bucket maker. And again, it's no accident at least in my opinion, it's no accident that you see Trey Lyle's scoring numbers go up in these last two games, coinciding with the fact Malik Monk's playmaking numbers are back. Those assist numbers are back in addition to his scoring. And that's what we look at headed into this trade deadline. We could talk about the Kyle Kuzmas and the Jeremy Grants and a hey, shout out Zach Levine. He's ruled out for the season, and obviously there's 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 not going to be a trade there. Not that I, I, I truthful, I genuinely don't believe there was ever any real conversation with Chicago about a deal there. There might have been internal conversations about Zach Levine, but I think they were all pretty unrealistic, especially you know given the way that. James laid it out financially for us and what we just discussed here a minute ago. You know, there's tax aprons now. This is this is where those tax aprons really start to come into play is when you have three high-paid players on your team like that, three of the highest-paid players in the league on your team at one time, you know, that that's who your team is. That's who you are. There's not much else you could do after that. It threw the Malik Monk thing into, into, into question. Whether if you went and acquired him, what you could do. You know, it created a lot more questions than answers. But that's gone. And I don't even know how realistic some of the other deals are. The Kyle Kuzma stuff, the Jeremy Grant stuff, the unknown player 
of that ilk. I don't know how realistic any of that stuff is. But I think what Sacramento is genuinely looking for is how to bolster that bench a little bit. How to make sure there's not such a fall off when you get to players six, seven, and eight if Malik Monk isn't cooking. We used to have this discussion about De'Aaron Fox. And in some cases we do, I, I, I don't think, I mean, when Malik and De'Aaron are both off, it's tough business for Sacramento. But we've seen games where De'Aaron has been off and Malik has picked up the slack. Or we've seen games where De'Aaron has been off and, and, and Keegan's cooked a little bit that game. But it feels like an incredible amount of pressure on Malik Monk to, yeah, he can't be off. He can't miss. Like literally or figuratively, he can't, he can't be off a game. Because so far, no one has been able to step in in his absence. If the Aaron's down, Malik can step in in his absence. Or Domas can. Or now, I guess, Harrison Barnes can. You know, there's a variety of guys who have shown they can step into that role. That's not really the case with that second group. And we've seen that second group fluctuate like we saw Kessler Edwards minutes. We saw impactful Kessler Edwards minutes. Didn't score. But anybody who watched that game against the Pacers, yo, you saw Kessler Edwards out there. He was working. And sometimes, sometimes I think, sometimes I think, or at least one, that's all Mike's looking for. A guy like Kessler Edwards, just be out there, be active. Let me see you work. Let me see you have an impact. You don't have to be five of six from the field. You don't have to be anything from the field. You have to be active on the defensive end. You have to be active on the glass. And it seems like there's been a new... I'm I'm, I'm going to keep saying this until someone just flat out says it was wrong. That stretch, that stretch of days where there was one game in like a eight, seven, eight-day stretch, something, something was said... And something clicked for virtually everyone involved. For Harrison, for Kevin Herter, hell, I'm not sure that something didn't click for Kessler Edwards. I'm not sure that something didn't click for Davion Mitchell. Davion's the one I think I always want a little bit more from. Like, I don't look at Davion and Kessler Edwards as the, like, I don't, not that's not the same barometer to me. Like, if Kessler gets out there, you see he's active, you see he's busting his ass, you see he's contributing on the defensive end, you see he's picking up his assignments, he's being where he's supposed to be, you see he's a coach's film dream. I'm good with that. Because I don't think I have any other expectations for Kessler Edwards. Kessler got here, I wasn't even sure what he was other than he was a long wing defender who I knew would be playing limited minutes, so I wasn't really sure what to think of it. Like, what's it matter? But Davion, those aren't my expectations for Davion. Because Davion, I think, can create. Davion, I think, can work on the offensive end. Obviously, he's incredible on the defensive end, but there's a lot that I think he could do on the offensive end. And so when he doesn't, when he plays good minutes and he, and he, and he has like little to no impact on the defensive end or, or the offensive end, it's not, oh, man, it's, it's not frustrating. It's just like, man, I feel like there's more there. 
And there has to be some impact from that second unit on the offensive end. And you go back to we had some really starter-heavy games where they won, but you can look at some of those losses and go, man, you have one starter off and no one in the second unit contributing, and that could be that could be a beast. Shoot, go back to go look at the Miami game. Not a not a not a shot at all. Harrison's been playing fantastic. But when you look at Harrison's stretch over the last, you know, eight, nine, ten games, and we'll do that here in a few minutes. He had nine points in that one. All right, you get to the second unit. There's no double digit scorer in the second unit. And that's where that's where I talk about that pressure on Malik. That's where I talk about that pressure. Like, man, it feels like Malik can't be off. It feels like you can't miss with with Malik. Especially if Davion is out there doing stuff on the defensive end. And, you know, he's never he's never going to be a huge contributor. He's never regularly going to be a huge contributor on the offensive end. But he's he's another one of those guys who you don't feel he's not invisible. Like we use that term a lot. As Casey used to talk about Harrison Barnes to start this season was invisible a lot. You just wouldn't see him box score be damned. You just wouldn't see him do anything on the floor. That's never the case with Davion. When Davion is getting consistent minutes, you see him out there working. But he's probably not going to do what Malik Monk is capable of doing on the offensive end. He's probably not even going to do regularly, at least, what Trey Lyles is capable of doing on the offensive end. So you got to have somebody. It's great to have that defensive stalwart on the uh, on the second unit, but you've got to have someone who can contribute on the offensive end. And if it's not Malik, who's it going to be? And maybe your hope is those games don't happen. Maybe if you're Sacramento, maybe if you're Monty McNair. Your hope is, yeah, Malik's not going to have very many of those games. Maybe you have that talk with Trey Lyles, like, hey, if you feel like Malik is off, we need to find a way to make sure you get your shots. And maybe that's a Davion conversation too. Hey, if Malik... If, if Malik's having one of those days where just things aren't dropping for him, it's on you now. You got to hope. You got to help Trey Lyles get cooking here. Or, <laughs> this is a great point by Scaring the Bagley. Scaring the Bagley says, or you hope that happens when everyone else is balling out. That's the other part. And it, and it, and it's happened. It's happened on a couple of occasions because Malik has had some, you know, Malik has had a, 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 a rough stretch. He's had a rough stretch, but the Kings have won those. He, the, the Kings have won a lot of those games. Miami was one where they didn't. He wasn't playing well. HB had an off night for you know the new the new version of Harrison Barnes. He's had a little bit of an off night in that one, and that's where that's where you look to this Thursday. If that big deal isn't out there, and I don't think it is, what are we looking at? And let me ask you, listening, Chatty House, whatever it may be, 916-909-1320. How realistic, again, we know Malik is, you know, he had a little, a little lull, but he was also a monster earlier. Malik has the most... 20 
in five games off the bench. 20 points and five assists. He has the most in the entire league off the bench. Mike brought it up last year. And given the given the debacle we just saw in all-star voting or the all-star selections, how realistic is it for Malik Monk to win six man of the year? Anyone think that's a real possibility? Again, this is coming on the heels of that debacle of an all-star selection. No love for De'Aaron. No love for Domas. And we're asking ourselves, will those people recognize what Malik Monk is doing? Malik has been really, really special off the bench. And it's so funny to me. You know, I, I, you know, I know we talked about this Friday, but I just found the narrative around winning in that all-star selection so funny. Because it's not like the Sacramento Kings are losing, and I'm not even going to use the examples of Steph Curry and Anthony Davis. I'm not going to use those examples. I'm just going to compare and contrast it to last year. If the Sacramento Kings were rewarded for winning in getting all-star selections of De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, the fact that their record is basically the same seems to have swayed no one. Or they don't know that. And that's the part that I can't get over. That's the part that I, I, I'm not sure that I have a true answer to. Do they know the people who cast these votes? And shoot, we're talking about coaches. Do they know that Sacramento has essentially the same record that they did last year where you allegedly rewarded them for winning? But this is just their placement in the standings. They're two slots lower. The long, the long, hard road of Minnesota finally being number one after these same people Built this Minnesota team up for the last three years and were wrong. Okay, they're they're finally at the top. It took that's another fascinating thing about Sacramento. Sacramento came out of nowhere. No one expected Sacramento to do what they did last year. And they've maintained it. That's the other part. There wasn't this gradual growth. There wasn't this gradual build. There wasn't this groundswell to like, oh, hey. Something's cooking in Sacramento. It wasn't that. Hell, we got into the season. We were well into the season before people started talking about, hey, there's something cooking in Sacramento. We might have been as far, yo, we might have been as late as March before people really believed it. Because remember, don't forget, don't let people change history. Don't forget what was supposed to happen last year after the trade deadline. And after the All-Star break, don't forget that. Remember, everything was going to ramp up. Everything was going to get much more difficult. Oh, it could be one bad week and you're the fifth seed or the sixth seed or the seventh seed. The best team in the NBA for a pretty lengthy stretch was Sacramento. No one said anything about that. So Sacramento takes that spot. Came out of nowhere. No groundswell. No build. Playoffs. Puts on the most entertaining series in the playoffs. 
and then just picks up where they left off. Looked a little bit different. I get it. Some of the losses have stunk. I get it. Some of the wins have been close. I get it. It's about the same. But these writers, the people who cover the league, they feel so vindicated because after being wrong for like three years on Minnesota, they can finally say, God damn it, we were right. We told you. Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, we told you guys. They were a flop last year when you said they were going to be good. They were a flop. Y'all have been waiting for this team to be good since they broke the playoff streak with Jimmy Butler. And now finally they are. And even though they were wrong for three, four, five years, they feel vindicated now. And, oh, y'all know who their favorite is. Oh, they love them some Sam Presti. Sam Presti and the Oklahoma City Thunder. All those stars they had wanted out. Kevin Durant left them. Paul George didn't really want to be there. Russell Westbrook left. Oh, and they just, they have beautifully sculpted this team with assets for days. And they went and got... Shea Gildress Alexander in this in this deal that in, that involved Paul George and set their team up for the future and they have now I don't think they've been wrong about this team but they couldn't wait for this moment. It's funny how you bring it up because if the NBA media likes you, they'll give you time too. Oh yeah, Thunder they've been doing this for about five six years, however long. Oh yeah, so Minnesota's been at it for a while. The Kings. They got they made the playoffs last year, and then all of a sudden it was, well, you're not gonna win it with Sabonis or whatever, so you gotta make that move now. And it's well, only been a year. Well, then it became, what are you gonna do now? Exactly. Did that didn't happen with that that hasn't happened with Minnesota. That hasn't happened with Oklahoma City. It's just like, no, okay, Sacramento, y'all did that last year. Now what are you gonna do? Boy, when you don't have the media on your side, it's different. It's different. And that's what's happening here. What's What's wrong with Sacramento? Like, why do you think they don't get the love? I still think it's the I still think it's the stigma of the poorly run franchise. I think it's still I don't think one I don't think Monty McNair, and that's really where this discussion should begin. It should begin with Monty McNair. Monty McNair hasn't been able to shake that. One playoff appearance hasn't been able to shake that. And every single one of those guys. Every single one of those men and women that cover this league. Deep down, they want Sacramento to fail so they can point back to the Tyrese Domas trade and then say this is the same franchise that missed the playoffs for 16 years. They want it all to tie together so, so desperately. That's such a tough way to live covering the league, man. It's crazy. Willsy literally... Um, put the message in the chat last week. He's, he's um, so Domas is putting up Will Will Chamberlain Chamberlain type numbers. Yep. Fine. No one cares. Yeah, we're not yeah. putting you in the All Star game. That's all good. Fox yeah. is what top ten in scoring. I think it is top eight. Top. Yeah, he was top. I think he was ninth the day the 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 All Stars were named. Yeah. Who cares? Nope. No All Star game for you. And I think what was the it, it, again? This is my opinion. Trey Young will be Julius Randle's replacement, which will make De'Aaron Fox the only player in the top 18 of scoring that doesn't make the all-star team. It's funny because like you see Kings fans on Twitter like, okay, these are the rules like you put for us last, um, last time or whatever before. We weren't winning or whatever. We had guys who 
putting up numbers, but we weren't winning or whatever, so we couldn't get him in. Now we're doing the winning, and it's just like now the goalposts have moved again. Well, it's fun. See, and it, <laughs> right, the goalposts have moved because you know who they're not talking about. Who they're not talking about their beloved Phoenix Suns. They don't want to remind you half of them picked Phoenix to win the NBA Finals. Lil D'Lo and KC, our little old radio show in here in Sacramento, was like, hey, yo, that, mm-mm, that ain't going to happen. Yeah, that team could be really dangerous, but they're, they're top-heavy, and they get hurt. And, hey, salute to Kevin Durant. He's been healthy almost the entire year. Brad's been hurt like three times. I mean, he was phenomenal last night. Salute to him. He's been hurt like three times. Devin Booker's been hurt twice. And this team is below Sacramento at 29 and 21. No problem, though. Yeah. yeah, It's all good. Yeah. No problem whatsoever because deep down, it's the the post-trade deadline all-star ramp-up thing again. In their mind, they convince themselves that Phoenix is not what we've seen and they're just going to ramp up the second part of the season. You look at what LA is doing, and many of you, many of them will use the Clippers as the example. There's one glaring difference. The Clippers have been healthy. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and James Harden have played ball together this year. They're not trying to figure it out on the fly. Since James Harden got there, they took their lumps. There's a little buffer right there. To start this whole thing. And since then, they've been the hottest team in the league. It's it's almost like these awards. It's almost like it's a high school type popularity contest, like a prom queen, prom king type of stuff. It's just it's all just for po- it's all popularity. It doesn't and, matter what you're actually doing. And it's it's in, in the funny like, and I'm it's, fine. It's, it's comical. And but I'm fine with that being the case with fans. Like that's what fans should do: pick your favorites, vote for them, support them, all of that. But these hoes that cover the league. It's the media doing it. Like the 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 and and I think it was I think it was Kevin Durant that once called the media a bunch of cheerleaders. I think he was speaking specifically about LeBron in this case. But he's right. Media are a bunch of cheerleaders. Not all of them, not all of them. Some very fine media here locally that covered the game nationally. I don't think, and I, I'm, I don't think Mark Spears is a cheerleader. I don't think Sam Amick is a cheerleader. Yeah, no, 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 it's not everyone, but it's just like there is like a, like a <laughs> decent amount or whatever. Where it's just like they are cheerleaders, and it's funny now because they're in so deep where it's like if something's not going the way they think, they'll just twist it around just where it makes no sense. That reminded me of something, and a hey, salute, hey, shout, this brother has has made a living off of LeBron James, and I'm, I'm sure he's I'm sure he's good at his job. He's not my cup of tea, but he's made an, a living a living off of LeBron James, and that's Brian Winhurst. I saw an alert pop up early this morning while I was while I was training and it said LeBron James was sending a message to the Los Angeles Lakers with the towel. And I had no clue what that meant. And it was attributed to ESPN and I was like that's absolutely Brian Winhurst. I don't even know what this means but it's Brian Winhurst. It caused me to stop and look and I guess when LeBron was doing his post game interview, he had a Knicks towel like you know, the towels that they use, instead of a Lakers towel, it was a Knicks towel. And Brian Winher's big thing was, that's LeBron James sending a message to the Los Angeles Lakers. <sighs> All right, man. Or he had to go do a post-game interview. He was sweaty, and they threw him a towel, and it happened to be a Knicks towel. But, like, everything is so conspiratorial. Everything is so 
I've got to get you to listen to this podcast. It's almost like Twitter's taking over, um, covering the league. That's the perfect way of putting it. The way you cover the league now, it's just just go look at Twitter. That's it. That's the league. Clicks, hearts, and retweets. That's all we're talking. And the Sacramento Kings, they're on the short end of that. It's great to see De'Aaron Fox in the top 15 of, of, of jersey sales because that means now he's transitioning outside of Sacramento. But, man, for a player who, in my estimation, could be and is one of the most exciting players in the league, that's a long road for him. That's a long road for him, and you hope that people see through some of this nonsense that's out there in the media and recognize, yo, the Sacramento Kings, one, are fun to watch, two, are really good. And part of the reason they're really good right now are Harrison Barnes and Kevin Herter. We'll talk about those two and their impact on this Sacramento Kings team when we return here. Get on these phone lines if you'd like. KC's out for the day, 916-909-1320. See the one KC brought to you by Sky River Casino on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Casey's out for the day. Riding solo, my man Jesse with me. Uh, 916-909-1320. If you want to get in on the phone lines. I do like our little conspiracy theory conversation regarding LeBron James. I wouldn't even call it a conspiracy theory either, to be honest. Because like I said, I'm more so tying this to like how everything was before he went to the Lakers too. Because there was a lot of smoke going into that maybe a year or two before. There's always been a lot of smoke with LeBron James. He's he's calculated too. I know we like... He is. We, we play around with the, like, the Ledge EM stuff and all yeah. that, but he is calculated. He is. No, nah, he definitely is, but I still... So, the, the question during the break was, do you think LeBron James is playing for another team next year? You definitively said yes, and you'll take, take it a step further. You think it's the Knicks. Yeah, I'm going to go, I'm gonna say he plays for the Knicks next year. He's got, he's got a player option going into next season, too, so that's why we're talking about all this. He has a player option. The Knicks immediately become title contenders. Easily. They're probably the they'll, – they'll, they'll call the Knicks the best team in the East. Unless he signs with Cleveland. And that's the one I'm kind of hung up on is does he go finish it in Cleveland? I hope not, honestly. Why? What's wrong? That'd be so boring. You already, went, you already went back to Cleveland. We already did that. Cleveland already got their moment. Like, we need New York. LeBron. Are you? Oh, okay. Uh, uh, we need Hollywood. Can he carry a tap, caraway tapia here? Are you? So, you so you want the, the Knicks to be near the top of the, at, potentially at the top of the Eastern Conference? I'm, Look, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. It'd be, it'd be great for the league. Ratings would be up. Why? Why, why? Silver, why do we, we say we that? Got the, we, got the, we got the media deal coming up, the Adam Knicks, Silver. Why we do need, we do we that? Why do we do that? 
Do what? The, the Knicks were insignificant for years, and the league was fine. But we convince ourselves that, oh, the league would be so much better if the Knicks were the league. And someone said that on TV the other day. Oh, the man, the, the league is in a better place when the Knicks are good. Like, based on what metric? We're just thinking about, like, Knicks going, like, a five-game losing streak. The Heat LeBron is going to, like, it's just provocative. It'll get the people going. Okay. It'll be good. All right. And like you said, they'll be a good team, too. No, they will be. But I think Cleveland will be, too. Yeah. Either, but... either Le, Le, LeBron walks on to Cleveland or New York, they're instantly the second best team, potentially the very best team in the Eastern Conference. But it's they they ascend past Philadelphia, who has a whole host of problems right now with the Joel Embiid injury. They pass Milwaukee, who's still a bit of a Milwaukee man. It feels like they're hanging by a string. Um, like if this season doesn't go the way that they want to, man, I don't I don't know I don't know what they do next if this season doesn't go the way that they want to. But it feels like they're still – it feels like firing Adrian Griffin didn't fix everything. Oh, yeah, definitely not. But another thing, going back to the next real quick, too, you saw the report that um, uh, Leon Rose and um, Rich Paul fixed their relationship and all that, right? <laughs> no. Yeah, that I came out this that. weekend. <laughs> all right. You see, that? that's the no, one right there. No, I got that's you. the one right there. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, it is. That's, that's, that's strategic. Okay. I see you. We got Lazy on the line, by the way. Lazus, 916-909-1320. What's up, Lazy? D-Lo and Jesse. What's going on, guys? What's up, baby? Hey, what's up, man? Hey, I just want to get in on the uh, LeBron talk real quick. Hey, D-Lo, I definitely agree with you. I, I could really see LeBron going back to the Cavs. I mean, they have the better roster to me. If LeBron goes to the Knicks, like, you already see Randall's out. If it's just LeBron and Jalen Brunson, I don't know how far they really go. And also well, last OG year, and Anobi's uh, there too, and they've been playing out of this world since he got there. Yeah, OG's been great. Uh, but my my other question was, uh, we're talking about LeBron leaving. Why isn't it ever like talked about make, maybe moving Anthony Davis? Like I know he's injury prone, but there'll be some times where he puts together some good games. Wouldn't you want to try to get something for his valuable and keep LeBron in LA? Well, like, I don't know. Well, we're not we're not talking about trading LeBron. I think that's the that's the gist of it. We're not talking about trading LeBron. LeBron can sign anywhere. LeBron can not pick up his player option and sign anywhere he wants to next year. Yeah, no matter what after the offseason, he's getting a new contract, whether it be the Lakers or someone. Yeah, so it it's really boils down to does he want to legitimately go win a championship with a team like New York or Cleveland? And if so, how much is he willing to play for that? Because he's, I don't think there's a scenario where he can make max money or even near max money on either one of those teams. Yeah, I'm not sure what their cap situation is, but looking at it too, it's like if you like those are the three teams. Like staying with the Lakers is the one where your chance. It's the worst one. Yeah, it's the yeah, worst it's the worst one. one. Yeah. So if he's still trying to win, then yeah, I'm out of there. And I think that's a. I don't. I. I. That team is struggling to get. That that team is just struggling. Period. And I think there's a. But I think a lot of that's LeBron too. I think there's a a certain there's a certain level of anxiety that goes with playing LeBron James, right? And it's a championship or bust every year. Like the expectation for LeBron James is to win a championship every year at minimum. It's to be in the NBA Finals, and I think we see a lot of teams. I think we see a lot of players struggle with that. And I think that's what we've seen. Shoot, I think to a certain degree, Anthony Davis has struggled with that. It's not for everybody. It isn't. Yeah, not everyone's built that way. And LeBron is built differently. It's not. It's no different than Kobe. Like, Kobe went through this. Kobe's not built the same way. It's the famous Jimmy uh, Kimmel. 
clip with that them celebrating, you know, being nine and forty or whatever oh, yeah, they were just in, their straight in the face. straight face. Yeah. Kobe Bryant, like not everyone is wired like that. That's exactly how LeBron James would do it. Like those those guys are wired differently, and some can't take that type of pressure. And that's a tremendous amount of pressure uh, to be a teammate, a coach, or a general manager of a team that has LeBron James on it, particularly at this stage in his career where you know uh, his time now was more limited. He's still playing at an extremely high level, and he feels like he could bring a franchise his fifth title, sixth title, seventh title, and so on. Does he get one more? We'll give him three mm. years or whatever. You pick where he goes. Does he get one more? Not with the Lakers. Yeah, I agree with that. If he leaves, if he leaves, I say yes, he gets one more. But he's not getting one in L.A. Yeah, that's they can't figure it out. That that, and I think part of it, unfortunately, is Anthony Davis. Like I, I don't think they can figure out how to make all of that stuff work together. Uh, they can't figure it out the way Harrison Barnes and Kevin Herter have figured it out. Those two have played really, really well. We have focused a lot on Kevin Herter over the course of the last couple of weeks. And Harrison Barnes' last seven games, we need to take a look at. You go back and you look at HB, the first 41 games of the season. This is incredible. First 41 games of the season, Harrison Barnes, Harrison Barnes averaged – 7.6 field goal attempts, and 10.6 points per game. In the last seven, he's averaged 15 field goal attempts per game, eight three-point attempts, and 20 points per game. He's averaging 36 minutes per game in the last seven games. A seven-game sample size is a really good sample size. It's not nearly as big as a 41-game sample size, and this is the angst that Kings fans are left with because you want to believe that this team is good. You want to believe that this team is doing the right things. You want to believe this team is trending in the right direction. But you are also looking at a limited sample size. That 20 points per game does include a couple of nine-point outings, and then it includes like a 39-point outing and a 32-point outing. So it's not like he's just been scoring 20 across the board you know, for the last seven games. He still had those same ups and downs. It's just the ups have been way higher than anything we've seen from Harrison Barnes this season. And the lows, the lows are about what he was doing before the before before this run. So I think the two most encouraging things to take from Harrison's last seven games, his minutes are up and there's a clear commitment from Mike Brown. His field goal attempts are up, which means even when he's not you know, on one of those hot streaks that we've seen him on a couple of times during this stretch. He's still getting his shots up. He's still being aggressive. And he's found a way to get eight three-point attempts up per game. I think that's the biggest thing for me is the fact that his field goal, his field goal attempts are back up. Because I'm watching him all, all the season. We come out of these games like, wait, Harrison Barnes had two points, and it's not like he went like one of nine or one of ten that day. Yeah, like, yeah. No, he went one of two. Why is he only taking two shots? Yeah. So, like, um, I trusted a little bit more. Like, I'm not sure what – what it has to do with like the trade deadline and their plans and all that, but as far as if this is what like this is what it is, I trust it a lot more just because he's getting his shots up now. Yeah, I don't think Kevin Herter, excuse me, I don't think Harrison Barnes 
has anything to do with the trade deadline. Well, I mean, as far as like, oh, now Harrison Barnes is like taking more shots. Now he's playing better. Maybe we don't make a move or something like that. I and, and but my, my I don't think they ever wanted to make a move for Harrison Barnes. I think maybe if there was a maybe if we're talking maybe if there's a Siakam conversation or an OG conversation, maybe Harrison is involved in that somehow. But outside of that, like I think their preference would be to trade Kevin Herter instead. Do you, you think what they what they want to do is maybe bring in a guy like Kuzma and move Barnes to the bench? So the if, theory... If you're trading for a guy like Kuzma, I'm assuming you're bringing in something pretty good, right? So the idea I worked out was, or the idea that we, we worked out, I don't know if we did this on the air or we did this after the show, but the idea was if, if Kyle Kuzma is a legitimate possibility, that's where Kevin Herter comes into play, and you probably trade Kevin Herter and Davion Mitchell, and I think we had a conversation about Tyus Jones yeah, yeah, was last week and, and Kyle Kuzma. And in that scenario, Kyle Kuzma could be the starting four. Now, Kenny presented a scenario where you go ultra big, but if Kyle Kuzma takes over the starting four spot and Harrison Barnes goes to the bench, Malik Monk can now be your starting two, and... Harrison and Tyus Jones take over that second unit. The only issue with that, Kevin Herter is what, like a 6'8", two-guard, 6'9", two-guard? Like that's probably something along the line, more along the lines of what you want. But the Kings have shown that that backcourt with De'Aaron and Malik can be really, really effective. You think Mike Brown's out on the Chris Duarte starting experiment? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> he, he, I think... I think he's out on the Chris Duarte playing basketball uh, experiment. I got you. I want to throw that one out there. Yeah, I don't know the last time Chris Duarte like played like played meaningful minutes. He didn't play this weekend. Maybe just spot starter. Like, hey, here's five minutes. Go out there, and then Malik, you get the rest. But no, then we don't need that. I got you. No, we 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 no, we don't we don't need that. Uh, Chris Duarte has played one game. He played two minutes and forty two seconds against Golden State since they played Milwaukee on January 14th. It's nice knowing you. It's just so bizarre. Like, he played he played all but four games up till that point. Yeah, he played all but four games up until that point. And now he can't get on the floor. Yeah, it's not that he was playing. I mean, there's a couple of games where he played two minutes as Game here where he played 55 seconds, but there's also a game where he played 21 minutes, 26 minutes, 14 minutes. Like he was, he was a part of what Mike was doing until, until that Milwaukee game, and then he wasn't. We can literally play that game too for about like maybe three, two other people on the bench for different oh, parts on the season. Probably, yeah, probably. Come to think about it, when was when does when was the last time Alex Lynn played? Because I feel like we've gotten a lot of JaVale games recently. And Sasha at one point was getting some minutes, and then all of a sudden he wasn't. Alex Lynn hasn't played since the Indiana game. So he's missed the last seven. And we're getting we're getting heavy. Yeah, he's yeah the, the, the Alex Lynn thing has always been weird because I feel like when Alex Lynn plays, he plays well. Alex Lynn to me feels like breaking case of emergency for the Kings. We need some size or we need to be physical down low or whatever. Like, get Alex Lynn out here. Yeah. Yeah, it could be as simple as that. 
It's weird. It's weird. Mike, I always say this. Mike Brown's a funny dude. Mike Brown just does just like random stuff sometimes. Like the like the Chris Duarte stuff. Played two minutes and 54 seconds. All right. And then he's not playing again. He throws in Kessler Edwards in the second half, who's pretty good. Like Kessler Edwards, I think, wound up playing like six, seven minutes in that game. And then, you know, we've seen Kessler Edwards get a little bit more of a steady run. But, yeah, Mike Brown's funny, man. He's funny. Get some wins. He's got some wins going for sure right now. Um, Harrison had 22 versus Indiana. He was a big reason the Sacramento Kings were able to win that one. Had 10 uh, versus Chicago. And the ball is moving. Kings are now 18-2 and when hitting that 30 assist marker. That's one of my favorite uh, barometers uh, of measuring how this Kings team plays. But funny enough, you look back at the the Pacers game, they had 26 assists in that one. It felt like the ball was flying all over the place. And they they were cooking against Chicago, particularly at the start of the third quarter. They were really cooking against Chicago. They had 33 assists. That Chicago game, low-key weird. They had they had that game in hand. It felt like super comfortable. Just at half. It's like this team's playing really well. This is a good look for Sacramento. Then they come out in the second half and they are on fire. And that, you know, 18 point lead or whatever it was suddenly stretches to 30. And it's like, oh, this game, this game's over. This is a good look for Sacramento. Well done. And then they couldn't hit a basket. And as I'm watching, I, and I remember thinking this as this game was happening, and I felt obviously much better about it when it was over, but I didn't hate the way that the Kings played in the third quarter. Sometimes you see the Kings go on a cold streak like that and another team go on a run, and it's three, three, open three, contested three, open three, transition three, and you just see, okay, they stopped hitting their outside shot, which they did. That happened at the start of their drought in the third quarter. But then they started getting to the basket. De'Aaron Fox to the basket. Carter to the basket. HB to the basket. And one after another after another after another, the ball just rolled off the rim. I mean, yeah, you just kind of chalk that up to just not even bad luck, which is the matter of we're not hitting their shots right now. That's all it is at that point. Like, what more do you want us to do? And that's why I just didn't have as big of an issue as some people did with them blowing that lead because I felt like they were at least attempting to play the right way. They were attempting, hey, the three-point shot stopped falling. Let's get to the basket. We either get a layup or we get a foul call. They didn't get the, any foul calls, and the layups were falling off the rim. I I, I just have I just have little beef with that. And – they actually hit their free throws for the most part against Chicago. It's only an issue when you're blowing these leads. Like if you're, like you said, just taking a bunch of threes, not any threes, and you're playing sloppy, turning the ball over every time. But if you're trying to get to the basket and trying different things and it's just not working, yeah. it's like, all right, you're just, this is not working for us right now. Chicago's playing good ball. It is what it, it is what it is at that point. Domas was struggling there a bit in that third quarter. He turned the ball over quite a bit. I think he had six turnovers in the Chicago game, and I think two or three of them or during that stretch in in the third quarter. But outside of that, you're right. Like, I, I don't have an issue with how they were playing. Um, they cleaned it up enough to the point where they still got the W, too. So it's like... And then that's the other thing, right? Because we've asked whether this team, you know, we've asked this team to respond. Like, get punched in the face, respond. Get punched in the face, respond. Well, they got punched in the face against Chicago, and that would have been... You talk about bad losses. You thought Phoenix was bad. You think some of these losses Sacramento has had over this last you know stretch have been bad? 
This Chicago one would have been tough. It would have erased all of the good vibes from Friday night. It was a game you had well in hand. And then you're left with that, who is this? You're left with that confusing feeling about this basketball team again. Who is this basketball team? And you didn't have to, though, because they closed out. De'Aaron hit free throws late. De'Aaron was 10 of 12 uh, from the free throw line in, 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 the, in the Chicago game. The Kings, as a team, shot 24 of 29 uh, from the free throw line. That's 82%. That's worth pointing out. It's 82.8% because the night before, they were 18 of 28, good for 64.3%. So the ups and downs at the free throw line uh, continue for Sacramento, but when they needed them the most against Chicago, they were able to hit them. I feel like now with the free throws, it's just the point where it's not even a major talking point just because it's either either they made them today or they didn't, you know? Like well, you can't really depend on depend on it at all. Yeah, I think one of the most encouraging aspects of the last two games is the fact that they shot twenty eight of them and twenty nine of them. Yeah, against the line at least. Yeah, they're getting they're getting to the line. Obviously, you don't want them to shoot sixty four percent from the foul line, but that was a game that you won by double digits. Well, you don't want the misses either to like deter you from getting to the getting to mm-hmm. the paint and all that, and kind of just getting in your head and adding more. That it is sense. it is a bit of a it is a bit of a killer in the fact that. You've lost games this year at the foul line. And I don't know, like, I again, I, 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 don't, I don't know what corrects it. Like, I don't know what, I don't know how to fix this. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't know what to say. Like, if I'm Mike Brown, Mike Brown has said this postgame. Domas has said it. Malik has said it. They shoot free throws. It's not, it's not like they just go watch film, you know, do a walkthrough and leave. Like they, yeah, they sh- practice this they stuff. Sh- right. They shoot free throws every single day, every single practice, every single shoot around. But just for some reason, you have games like the Indiana one where they just don't drop. Yeah, I think at this point, it's like I said, it's just either they're going to hit them or they're not, but it's just a mental thing for them. Not yeah. more so saying like it's like a bad thing or whatever, but just more so either, I don't know if it's a locked in or whatever, but I don't know. It's not, it's not a matter of they're not working on it enough. Yeah. 916-909-1320 if you want to get in uh, on the phone lines. We would love, love, love to hear from you, uh, as always. De'Aaron, go, 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 going back to that Chicago game, De'Aaron felt like we talked about, and I and I led, and I thought this, I thought it was appropriate to lead the show with how De'Aaron Fox is playing defensively because he's playing at such an extraordinary level, and he's playing at a different level defensively. He's playing... Um, at a level that I don't think we have seen him consistently play. We talk about the 11 steals. I know Jill was in the chat earlier talking about the amount of deflections he has over this stretch. He's third in the league in uh, steals. And I think I think I heard a stat that he's third in the league in deflections. And that's now, you know, now you're up there with the, you know, the, the, the Golden Goose SGA. Now you're up there with Donovan Mitchell. Now you're up there with some of the best defending point guards in the league. And the clear, one of the clear separators, if not the clear separator between SGA and De'Aaron has always been on the defensive end. And if Fox is starting to level that out a little bit, oh boy. Let's get to Jamel here, 916-909-1320. Jamel, what's up, baby? 
What's up? What's up, boys? Uh, quick thing, man. Um, so apparently, uh, Joel is out. Had a couple couple trade talks out there for you guys. Okay. So Tobias Harris, I don't know if you guys know his his contract, but they're talking about if they're going to sit down uh, Joel for the rest of the year. That Tobias is on the table. Mm. That's one, and another one. Um, apparently, there's been multiple offers for Caruso, and apparently, Chicago doesn't want to budge from Caruso. So. I was thinking, you know, what do you guys think as far as like Tobias's contract? Someone else I heard was uh, was Jason Hayward, Gordon Hayward. I can't remember the guy from uh, Charlotte. Gordon Hayward, yeah. Uh, he's, uh, yeah, he, he's he's on the table too. So I just wanted to get your guys' input on on that on the trade. Sure. Just tell me what you guys think. Yeah, Tobias is cool. Tobias is thirty nine million this year, and that's it. He's an unrestricted free agent next year. He's he'll be thirty two years old, and I don't know how you orchestrate that. Yeah, I don't even think that's something Philly maybe wants to do. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how. Like, yeah, I don't know what you, I don't know how to even approach that. If I were Sacramento, how to even like, look, hey, I'll give oh, you, yeah, because like, I'll give you a pick. Well, even at that point too, it's a lot of salary you got to match too. Yeah, right. It's thirty nine million dollars. Well, I don't, I don't know if you have to match thirty nine million dollars or if you have to match the remaining thirty nine million dollars because it's it's literally just this year. So yeah, I'm not sure, but I don't know how to. I don't know what I'd do with that. Do you think Gordon Hayward is a buyout candidate, though? Okay. Maybe off the bench? Yeah, that's fine. I'm, I mean, it's fine. It, it, like, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, he just doesn't, you know, he, he goes the way of Chris Duarte. Yeah, and then you <laughs> mentioned Caruso, too. That feels like that's the name, like, after the Kuzmas and the Grants. Like, that's the name after. Where, like, that's the one I think Kings fans want most. Bro. This Caruso conversation is getting absurd. Oh yeah, we're gonna have to give up five first round picks for him. Oh, eventually. this is getting like what? What would the, the the they they had a? Uh, oh, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember who wrote it. An OG Ananobi like deal. Yeah, is that type of that type of deal? I'm sorry for Alex Caruso. Still getting yeah. still getting that Lakers rub. Years later. Man, I guess you a Laker, you eat forever. He's a great player, but he's not. That's not OG and No, he's a good type. player. Yeah, that's not an he's, OG and type player. He's a good player and an elite defender. Shoot, what he did, like the way he was guarding De'Aaron on those final possessions in the uh, uh, of that Chicago game was infuriating. He's incredible. Like not a, there aren't. Talking about the fastest player in the league, and Alex Caruso found a way to stay step for step with him. I, I <laughs> I'm gonna need this conversation to die a little bit before I entertain that, sir. You can have a first round pick and a second round pick if you'd like that. Yeah, like, and that's probably the extent of it. You talk about like, look, like, let's remember OG. That was R.J. Barrett and who else? Um, uh, Manuel quickly. quickly. No. Chicago gets that return no, for Alex bro. Caruso. That's immediate executive of the year. Oh, absolutely. They could shut the rest of the season down and he wins executive Easily. of the year if he pulls that off. But what it might boil down to, and we can look at his his status here real quick, they, they might just not want to get rid of him. That might be what this is really about. They might not want to get rid of Alex Caruso. He's only partially guaranteed for next year. So he has a... <laughs> Chicago needs to calm his ass. They need to calm their asses down. This is preposterous. The trade market hasn't been the same since Gobert. It's his fault. Not terribly wrong, man. Not terribly wrong. 
we've talked about the the 76ers there. We'll take a, uh, a trip around the NBA, talk a couple of things that happened over the weekend. And the Kings are a top 10 team defensively on the road. We'll talk about that. Will Z on the way. James Ham as well here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Will Z coming up uh, in the 2 o'clock hour. James Ham coming up in the final hour of the show. The Sacramento Kings will take on a red-hot Cleveland Cavaliers team. They might not even be hot. They might be white-hot. That team is playing phenomenal basketball right now. We'll talk more about that. Just saw a note Donovan maybe in the three-point shooting contest. Uh, obviously, he's an all-star. Some make the argument he should have been an all-star starter over Dame, but uh, hard to go wrong when it's either Dame or Donovan. Uh, those two are playing great, great basketball over there. A couple of notes around the league. We mentioned this real quick. Zach Levine uh, will have season-ending surgery. It feels like they were really, really struggling to pinpoint exactly what was going on and, and exactly how to diagnose it. And it feels like they were to avoid surgery at all costs until it became a situation where they just can't avoid it anymore. And Zach Levine will have surgery. It'll shut him down for the season. And, of course, it'll almost certainly shut down any trade rumors. Uh, surrounding him uh, in this upcoming trade deadline as I'm sure teams would be much more interested in approaching Chicago uh, in the offseason when he's healthy, or maybe they won't be interested in approaching him then. Uh, Joel Embiid, uh, he will have surgery. The 76ers haven't yet ruled him out uh, for the entire season, but it does feel like it's trending that way. Uh, Certainly a tough break for Philadelphia as those years are starting to just kind of They're kind of starting to add up in years that you're an upper echelon team and just can't quite get over that hump. Feels like Philadelphia has been there, you know, for about five years now where they've been right there on the cusp of being a title contender or a team that some would consider a title contender and just they they can't get over the hump. This to no fault of their own. Uh, Joel was playing pretty bad pretty banged up through a, a a chunk of this season. And then you had the unfortunate play with Jonathan Kaminga where he landed uh, on his knee. And that just, it, it, it was a tough spot, looked like a tough injury. And, of course, you know, the, the, the worst was confirmed as uh, Joel will have surgery. Again, the 76ers have yet to rule him out uh, for the entire year. Uh, there's a slugfest going on in the Western Conference right now with Oklahoma City, Minnesota, Denver, and the Los Angeles Clippers, they're all within one game of each other battling for the top spots in that conference. And I mentioned this uh, to the insiders earlier. The Kings right now have kind of solidified themselves in like a second tier. And they're starting to be a third tier, which is great news for Sacramento because the second tier consists of the five, six, and the seven spot. So you look at it right now, you've got Denver in the sports four spot. Again, you've got Denver, Clippers, they're all within a game of each other for the top spot in the East, uh, Western Conference. That spot's probably going to change a lot just by the day. Clippers, by the way, 14-3 and three since 2024 began. And I think the number is 25-5. and five. 
over the last 30 games, uh, they are playing incredible basketball, and they might not just be the best team in the West. The Clippers, right now, don't need to make a playoff joke or a James Harden joke. They might be the best team in the NBA right now. They're playing at a at a at a at a phenomenal level. But when you look at these tiers in the Western Conference, you have Oklahoma City, Minnesota, the Clippers, and you have the Nuggets, right? And then you have Sacramento at fifth. Sacramento's four and a half back from Denver. They're four back from the Clippers. So that's a that's a that's a bit of a that's some clear separation right there. Then you've got Phoenix. They're only a game back uh, from Sacramento. Then you got the Pelicans, who are a game and a half back of Sacramento. And, of course, they're a little bit more frustrating because they've beat the Kings so many times already. They've they've got that tiebreaker on lock. So if Sacramento and New Orleans were to end up with the same record, New Orleans, of course, uh, gets the nod because they have the tiebreaker and then some. But I think that right there is your second tier. Then you got Dallas. Dallas is three and a half back from Sacramento. And you can throw Los Angeles and Utah in there if you if you want to as the as as the you know that third tier if you wanted to stretch it a little bit further and throw Houston and Golden State in there that's perfectly fine. Houston and Golden State are far from out of this thing. Memphis I think is pretty safely out of this. Portland's pretty safely out of this. San Antonio, despite the fact they're on TV every five minutes, they're a ten and forty basketball team. So you have that. You know, fighting, you know, fighting for the plan. And Dallas is in the upper part of the plan, but they're not quite in that tier where I would put New Orleans, Phoenix, and and Sacramento. And that's another thing where that Phoenix game comes into just like a little smidge bit of extra frustration because that would have solidified the tiebreaker for Sacramento. If they were able to close out that final seven minutes, that would have been three wins over the Phoenix Suns. And while you don't have the tiebreaker against New Orleans, you have it against Phoenix, and it looks like, at least as of right now, these teams are kind of they're going to be throwing down a little bit in that second tier of offensive teams. Now, James asked the question, the second tier of Western Conference teams, excuse me. James asked earlier, uh, just a scheduling note, though, for those who want to keep up on scoreboard watching, of course, with Cleveland and Sacramento tonight, you've got uh, Atlanta and the Clippers. You've got Golden State at Brooklyn and then you've got New Orleans uh, hosting the Toronto Raptors. So a couple of games there. I'd, I'd say we should all be big Raptors fans uh, in this one tonight. But James asked me earlier if I thought, you know, Monty McNair wants to you know, make a push and contend and try to get into that upper echelon group. And, of course, you you want them to be able to. You look at the way Sacramento's playing right now. They're They're, they're playing really well, but the question to me doesn't just become – how well is Sacramento playing or does Sacramento play good enough to get into that that top four conversation with Denver, the Clippers, Minnesota, and Oklahoma City? The question is, does one of those teams play bad enough to fall back? And that's how you start to separate these teams a little bit. It's not just who's on a hot streak playing well. It's who falls back to the pack a little bit. Like we saw Phoenix get really, really hot for a split second and then cool down almost immediately. We saw New Orleans get hot. And then cool down. We saw Dallas. Dallas was up in the top six. Dallas, I think, was in the top four at one point in the season. Now they're in the eighth spot. You know, we're kind of seeing these teams 
you know, all over the place. But the fact that Sacramento has kind of been steady right there, they're probably playing their best stretch of basketball uh, of the entire season right now. They're they're not done. But what happens next? Can they continue it against Cleveland? Um, you've got Detroit coming up. You've got Denver coming up. Obviously, beating Denver can go a long way in in getting you, you know, getting you into that, getting you into that top four conversation. But to realistically be in that conversation by the time Friday comes here, you probably have to beat Cleveland tonight. Then you got to beat Detroit. And then you got to beat Denver. And none of that is taken into account what Denver does over the course of the next couple of days. So that's more where I feel the Sacramento Kings might be slotted right now just outside that top four is because I don't know that any of those top four teams are going to play bad enough to fall back. I don't think Denver will. I'm confident Denver will not play bad enough to fall back. I don't think the Clippers will. I completely buy what we're seeing from them right now. Minnesota, I haven't given enough credit. Um, They're a long, frustrating defensive team. But Oklahoma City, they're legit. They're fun. They got some hoopers, but I'm watching. And I think it's fair to say that because that's what everybody did with Sacramento last year, right? When Sacramento made the ascension, this is the difference between media loving you and not loving you. Ain't nobody talked about Oklahoma City falling back. Ain't nobody talked about Oklahoma City. Oh, well, you know, when the when the trade deadline gets here, when the All-Star game gets here, boy, it's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit different on the other end. Okay. I mean, looking at those teams, too, like let's say the Kings are locked into the fifth seed come playoff time. Looking at those four teams, is it safe to say you'd rather play one of the top two teams rather than Denver or Los Angeles right now? I do not want to play Los Angeles at all. I, I mean, obviously, I I mean, they have, what, two wins on Oklahoma City, three wins on Oklahoma City this year? Yeah, I'll take that. Minnesota, Minnesota, I don't, Minnesota, I just, I just can't get a, grass for them. I remember asking going into that Kings Timberwolves game, like what do the Timberwolves do really well? Like what are they as a basketball team? Trying to make their hallmark on defense. I got you. Obviously that's a major outlier in this league, but salute. I get it. And then I <laughs> then I watched them and it's like, okay, they are a really frustrating team defensively. I'm not going to go so far as to say I wouldn't want to see them, but I'd rather see Oklahoma City. And Oklahoma City is the one team that the one team in the top four that I'm just going to keep my eye on. Again, it's not hate. It's not, oh, they're young. Oh, they're going to fall back. Oh, everyone's going to ramp up. It's none of that stupid nonsense that they said about Sacramento last year. It's just, I just want to see them maintain this. Because right now, and this is my L, these are my own expectations, they're playing above what I expected them to be at. I expected Oklahoma City to be more in the range of where Sacramento and Phoenix are right now. I didn't expect them to be in the conversation with the top four teams. I expected them to be in the conversation with the top six teams. Uh, and now here they are sitting at the, the 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 top of the conference. So that's the one team I have my eye on. Minnesota, I'd laugh if they failed. It would make me laugh. I don't know why they never did anything to me. I think I just hate how everybody pom-poms for them. 
Um, but I don't think that's happening. They're they're a well coached team. Uh, Chris Finch is not here for their nonsense, and they play a certain way and stick to it, and it's maddening to watch. Like they they really they were a frustrating watch against Sacramento, and I'm in on the Clippers in Denver. Denver, as long as they've got everyone on the floor, I just think is an old steady hand. Denver's the only team that's under respect no matter what they do, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what how the rest of this shakes out is is what I'll find more more compelling. Where does Sacramento fall on the, in, in all of this? Does Phoenix make another run before the season ends? I have no clue who the New Orleans Pelicans are. Absolutely none. Well, that's the thing. The two teams behind them, like Phoenix, how much do you trust them to be healthy the rest of the season? Like right now, they're behind the Kings. They'll have to play catch up to the Kings. It's only half game or whatever. You get what I'm saying? And the same yeah. thing with the Pelicans. Like they're not the healthiest team either. So right now, the Kings are in a good spot. And the Pelicans, the, what's so weird about the Pelicans, and, and I know Kings, like <laughs> it feels like the Pelicans, when they play the Kings, are the greatest team in the world. Like you watch that team play and you wonder, like, how does this team lose? Like they're athletic, they're 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 explosive. They Is can it just shoot a the matchup three. thing. Clearly, because they don't look like that against everybody else. Either that, or they really really get up to play Sacramento, but they don't look like that against everybody else. And that's the, I was like, I don't, I don't know what they are. Phoenix, I'm, I don't see them. I don't see another run coming from Phoenix. I think we saw it, and I think they just kind of play this kind of steady hot cold thing the rest of the year. Dallas, I don't buy. No matter what happens over the next four days, the Lakers getting into the top six, I don't buy. And Utah's cute, but I don't see them as a top six team either. They're starting with Dallas and like those teams after Dallas that you kind of mentioned. That like the starting, they're starting to form their own tier where you kind of mm-hmm. like you kind of know what they are going forward and stuff like that. I think I think with the Pelicans, they're kind of like the Kings though in the sense where you're still waiting for them to develop into something. Maybe I think the Kings might be a little bit more far ahead. Just given, I'm, I don't know if there's another move coming for the Pelicans like there is for the Kings. Yeah, but I, I think Maybe. I think they're in the same they're in the same spot. Yeah, the Pelicans have the Pelicans have good a good nucleus to build around and work with. They actually have a really good roster. I think they're a team that's playing below what they should be. Their team, I think, like Zion, like they need to well, figure out like the extra, like the like the, the winning things. You know, yeah. you know what yeah. I'm saying. They might need to move on from Zion. You still think so, even though they're playing pretty well this year? Well, I'm like, so what? you've got a team with Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, C.J. McCollum, right? That's your that's your three. Herb Jones is a really good ball player. Valanchunas is a very difficult guard at that, like, or uh, a player at that position. Like, what's, like, 28 and 21 doesn't feel right to me. To me, to me, that roster feels like a better, that group feels like a better basketball team. But maybe they're not. I mean, clearly they're not. They're twenty eight and twenty one. I see what you're saying, but I think I think um, I, I I think they're still pretty young. I think they're still figuring things out. Okay. Herb Jones, like he's still like, like he's Herb starting Jones. to develop into his own. Zion, he's a great player, but he's still like he said, he hasn't had like full seasons to play yet or whatever. Ingram, he's 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 been around the league in a bit, but I think they just need to develop a little bit more. Do the Rockets? Or the Warriors get into the top ten. The Rockets, the Rockets right now are just a game back from Utah. The Golden State Warriors are a game and a half. If I had to pick one, I'm not sure either does just because I like Will Harden and like the way Utah plays. And I think they'll just 
they'll, they'll just be around. So I don't think I don't know I don't know if either does, but if I'm between Houston and Golden State, I think I'm going Houston. Mm. Houston will Bar- be. I think it's Houston barring a move from Golden State. Hmm. But Jonathan Kaminga is also playing really well lately too. He's playing incredible. Yeah, he's tearing it up. I just man. You got Steph build around that dude, man. He is really, really good. Houston, I think, is really interesting in the next couple of days. Houston has space to absorb like a contract, like a decent contract. They have guys who could be moved. What they do over the course of the next four days, I think will be interesting. All of this talk about they're aiming for like their 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 name, their team is tied to like too many names for me to take seriously and that's gonna be a, that's that's the one team you always see big name or whatever houston rockets always mm-hmm. just yeah. given their, their situation yeah their, their their situation works for that now what the hell is utah's plan i don't know we'll leave that to be low and jc in salt lake city but i don't know what their plan is it feels like they'll know it when it comes to them with utah because I'm not sure what Danny Ainge is doing either. It's like they're good, but it's like there's like this team as is is not going to win anything. It's not going to develop into anything. Uh, going back to the Kings, uh, I mentioned this before the break. I think this is credited to Deuce Mason on the telecast, I think. can't remember if it was the telecast or the podcast, but he said the Kings are a top 10 team defensively on the road. It's almost the same exact thing that happened last year where the I think the number was the the Sacramento Kings are like a 26th ranked defensive team at home and like eight on the road. And it was virtually identical to that last year. Uh, And here they are again, a top 10 team defensively on the road. And the funniest thing about that is last year they all they like they talked about it. They acknowledged it. And I think they even talked about it in the post the the. the postseason, or the offseason, I guess, where, and I can't remember if it was De'Aaron or who it was, but someone said, yeah, we've got we've to be more consistent in our defensive efforts on the road or our defensive efforts at home because we were really good on the road. And then when we get at home, we just kind of rely on the crowd and the noise and the atmosphere and all that stuff to kind of pick us up. And it's just, it's, it's always so fascinating to me when you – recognize an issue, you're like, hey, here's a problem. Here's what we've got to do to fix it. And you just can't seem to fix it. Well, it's because it's almost like a crutch because it's like, yeah, we need to fix this, but it's also, hey, we could still win this way too, though. Like, you know? Like, I'm not saying, like, they're not actively trying to fix it, but it's, like, just a little bit more difficult just given, like, it works on the other end too. If you get what I'm saying. Yeah. The Kings... (laughs) The Kings are 14 and 8 at home and they're 15 and 11 uh, on the road. Uh, those are their those are their splits right now. 14 and 8 at home, 15 and 11 on their road. The plus the 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 point differential is up to a full point I think for the first time all season. Making progress finally. Hey, we're getting there. Kings are back. We're back, baby. The Beam team is back. Uh, we're making we're making progress, but yeah, they have a a, a plus one point zero uh, point differential. Do you think there's anything to them playing better defense on the road though? Because like you said, we did see this last year, so it's just kind of like eh. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what it means. 
like I, I don't so you you have this stat and it's a very clear definitive stat now with a large sample size that dates back to last year where the numbers virtually identical. If I'm Mike Brown, what do I do with this information? That's the thing. I don't think there's anything you can do because it's like, like you said, this dates back to last year. If any progress was going to be made, we probably would have saw it already. The only thing you have, if you're Mike Brown, or if I'm trying to hang my hat on something, is like, yo, look, you could do it. Like, you can play the way we practice. You can play the way I ask you to. You can execute everything we go over in all of these film sessions. It's clear. It's not a hypothetical. It's not a what if. It's not a maybe. We have now a season and a half of documented evidence that you can do this. But for some reason, you only do it half the time. I'm just throwing things out there too right now. We're being broadcast journalists, I guess. But I wonder like I wonder what their points per game is at home compared to the road. Because, like, say they're scoring 120 or whatever at home and they're just getting up and down the court. Like, it's probably a little bit harder to play defense. You know, your defense probably takes a step back just given you're putting up all these points, energy is being used and all that. Maybe at the, on the road the game slows down a bit because you're not playing off the home court energy and all that. So maybe you, do, you are able to lock in a little bit more. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I would call Will Z to look this up. Yeah, Will, I'm, if you're around. Well, Will's in a meeting. I know that for certain that Will is in a meeting right now, but uh, we'll ask him when he joins us coming up. Uh, I think he's with us at 2.30. Uh, we'll ask him then to look that up because I could try to fumble my way through it now, but since Kenny's not here, that would kind of be a bit of a mess. I always know I can look something up and just let Kenny cook for a minute. Uh, I wouldn't even I'm – not, I'm not savvy enough on stats. And watching Will – pull up stats on his phone on Friday was hysterical because Will has like this little baby iPhone. I don't even know what number it is, but it's like this little baby like iPhone mini. Like I got the, I could, I could pull up anything here on my phone and see it and be just fine. Will's got this, just this tiny little baby iPhone that he was, you know, going to, Stats, you know, pro basketball reference. Will with. was ready to go too because I can't remember what the stat was. But hey, you know, like, would you be able to look this up or whatever? He's like, you know, it'll probably take me fifteen minutes, but I can. Will's just all, at all times ready to go. Oh, always. Yeah, he's he he's ready. Thankfully, we got securing the Bagley here too at home. They're at one hundred and twenty-one point three points per game, and on the road, they score one hundred and sixteen. But you were asking how much they give up, right? Is that what you were asking? How many points they give up on oh, I, the road versus at, at at home? I, mean, I was asking more about home. No, the, the, the security bag has it right. How much they okay. score at home? Okay. Just given like you, you scored enough at home or whatever. Like you, you, you have a little bit more um, room for error, I guess. If you get like, if you yeah. know what I'm saying in a way. I'm not yeah. saying they're taking they're taking it off, but more so it's just. Well, no, now well, I remember I my because it's like you're getting back up, up and down the court. You're putting up all these points and all that. Your defense isn't going to be as sharp just because, like I said, you're just tired. Well, it's what they. But it's it's it's. I think it's literally what you know, De'Aaron or whoever it was said last year, where it was like, we just rely on the crowd. We rely on the energy. We rely on scoring. We rely on getting up and down. It, it's, it's to your point. That's that's exactly what it is. But if I'm Mike, I'm like, yo, why? Like what? Y'all, we could probably win more games if you brought a little of that, you know, Indiana energy over here to Sacramento because they guarded Tyrese fantastic. I was so confused because we were at the, you know, we were at 32 Brew Street at Sky River Casino. I saw they showed Tyrese in street clothes. I didn't think he was playing. 
the game started, Tyrese is. I didn't realize Tyrese came off the bench, which I guess is a, is a new form of injury management that I remember. I'm not going to crap on it. I always find it odd because to me, it always makes more sense to start because you're warm, like you're you've been warming up, you've been going through all of these paces. But there's also a belief, and I think Kawhi Leonard once laid this out when he started. I think it was this season or last season. I can't remember which one. I think it was this one where he started on the bench, and it was like that our team has constructed a way where I can play a certain amount of time, and it makes more sense to do it coming off the bench than starting. So I was confused when I saw Tyrese come off the bench, but I thought Sacramento guarded him brilliantly. I mean, he had – I mean – Tyrese is a phenomenal point guard, and one of the things that he does really well is not turn the ball over, and they they forced Tyrese into five turnovers the other night. Well, it's like you said. I think it's not a matter of this team like just lacks defenders. It's just they need to know just how to play defense at all times. No, just stop turning it, turning it up in moments. So I feel like two in the playoffs, we kind of saw it last year where the defense in the regular season wasn't great, but we did see him play a little bit better come playoff time too. And so is the idea – okay, I have a question regarding that. I'm going to make that note. Defense in moments. We'll come back. We'll talk more Kings basketball. We'll talk more NBA basketball. We'll talk about what happened on Friday night that had a couple of people in an uproar. And when I say a couple, I mean a lot. We'll talk about that, and plus we'll get back to this defense in moments things here uh, with the Sacramento Kings. Will Z on the way, as is James Ham here on Sacramento Sports Leader, ESPN 1320. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. So a couple of Kings things uh, we want to get to, uh, including getting getting back to the to the conversation about defense. Or man, Johnny had a really good question uh, that I want to answer here. But the wrestling world was in an uproar. I'm almost hesitant to talk about this because I know Casey will cook on this subject tomorrow. But man, oh man, Friday happy. night in the wrestling world was wild. And I understand people's frustration. I love The Rock. I love Roman. I love Cody Rhodes. I've always loved the idea of The Rock and, and Roman. But it's been pretty clear Cody is the guy. They want, they, wrestling fans, the WWE Universe, they want Cody Rhodes. And I, and I, and I got that. And I always said you've got to let let stories play out. Like it, it felt like The Rock was out of there. Apparently he's not, because on Friday, Friday Cody asked the story. What Cody question? What is finishing the story? And he goes in to talk about taking everything from Roman Reigns, taking the championship, taking it all, and then he says, "But not at WrestleMania," which is okay. Okay, and then he says, I've counseled with someone who you know well. Does the dramatic pause. If you smell what the rock is cooking is hit, the crowd goes nuts. Rock comes out. No words exchanged. Just a stare down. The The broadcast cuts before what I think was, I think they missed the, the most important shot is Roman holds the title up. You had to catch that 
on social media. So by all appearances, it shoot, not by all appearances, it's happening. It's Rock versus Roman at WrestleMania with no explanation as to why Cody Rhodes isn't wrestling Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Yeah, we did this whole two-year thing or whatever. Cody wins the Rumble just for him to face Seth Rollins, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't... So, part of my part of my hang-up was, I knew it. It's it's going to be it's going to be Rock Roman one night and then Cody in in Roman the other except he said not at WrestleMania. So that that idea is gone. And then I started like trying to book like what are they doing then I realized stop doing that. It doesn't matter. It's February 5th. WrestleMania is in like April. Let the story play out. There's a story to be told, but what is it? Tonight's Monday. The Kings game will end nice and early. We can flip on Monday Night Raw. I got to assume Cody's going to be there. Cody's going to have to speak, and they better have a pretty damn good explanation as to why he's passing on wrestling Roman Reigns and when he's going to go take it all. From him, as he said, that is the logical way to go about it. We could also just be mad about it too. Well, there's a lot of people that are mad about it, and they're well, pointing to disliked YouTube videos and comments on it, Instagram. It has and, to end with Cody facing like in that match somehow, though, right at WrestleMania. I don't know that it has to happen at WrestleMania. I just, to me, the the the. the so I I hate one one thing I hate about wrestling is it often just it's storytelling and it often just lacks logic. If you want to take everything from Roman and you're giving this title match to The Rock, what if The Rock beats him? That's what I'm saying. Like the way they book, there's it just no makes logic no behind yes. it. Yes. And so this is the stuff. This is the stuff where, like, non wrestling fans, this is the eye roll inducing stuff. It makes no sense. A good story, there's connective tissue, right? You tie. Let's go back. It, 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 it was on this day in 1988? 33 years ago, I think it was. 33 years ago that Hulk Hogan and the Andre the Giant, NBC, the main event, 33 million people watched. That was a story. It was a goofy story with evil twin referees and all of this stuff, but there was connective tissue. You go back and watch the post-match interview of Hulk Hogan that night you know, screaming about losing the title. How much money for the plastic surgery, brother? I can't believe you. The title was so important. It was the most important thing in the world to Hulk Hogan and all the little Hulksters like me, brother. And Cody's like, nah, go ahead, Rock, you got it. And now there's these conspiracy theories about The Rock and the board and how The Rock is positioning himself to, to and, it, and it's like, oh my God, I think some of you have lost your mind. You have, and this is, you've worked yourself into a shoot. Everyone believes they knew exactly what was going to happen. It's February 5th. Let the story play out. If Philadelphia rolls around and the story sucks, you have every right to be upset. But let the story play out a little bit. 
These are a different group of individuals in charge. Vince McMahon isn't gone. He's not in charge of anything anymore. There's an entire Kevin Dunn is gone. He's not in charge of anything anymore. There is an entirely different group of individuals setting all of this up. Let them let them set it up. And if WrestleMania gets here and it sucks, it sucks. Boo it. Don't watch it. Protest it. Do whatever you want to do. But let the story play out. That's fair. I'm just, I don't know. It's just, I'm, I, I, I want to see Cody's explanation, I guess. First. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. no, no. Right now, the story sucks. Yeah. Yeah, right now, no, this but is, I see like they, they, can, they can fix it, but it's just I wonder how they're going to try and fix it is my point. How you, how you try to fix that? You better fix it because this ain't it. Because right now, uh, we're on the LeBron James page of this book. Page one, and it sucks. You better find a way to make me come back and, and read page two, three, four, five, and so on and so on and so on. Because right now, man, it's a mess. I got social media popping, though. I know they're big on that. Yeah. you. So I say sometimes. I wonder how much of it is like Triple H and then pulling the strings with all this, too. I don't know. How much of this is planned? Some Sometimes the most predictable end to a story is the right end. Cody beating Roman in Philadelphia is the right end of this story. But there's a curveball in here. So maybe there's a better end to this story. I also think there's probably other things to take into account. And this is this is this is getting a little deep in the weeds, but I do think like is Netflix a factor? Do we still with Vince McMahon? Because my my belief is with Vince McMahon, anyone who's associated with Vince McMahon is going to be gone. So obviously Laurenitis is already gone. Kevin Dunn has been gone. I think Bruce Pritchard, if he hasn't been fired, is going to be fired soon. Like anyone who was associated with him in his circle, they're going to be out. This is going to be an entirely different group booking and planning these shows on a night-to-night basis and on a week-to-week basis. What is the point of this so-called brand extension? There's no point in having two different rosters on these shows anymore. You're going to have one on Netflix that you better load up to make them happy. You're going to have one on USA, and you need to maintain that partnership with NBC Universal. And the brand split, which means you can go back to having one champion. If you get to one champion by Cody beating Seth and then going on at some point to beat Roman Reigns, so be it. That works too. Tell the story. But I think we're getting to a point where we need one champion. And like there's speculation, maybe it happens at Madison Square Garden. That ties the Dusty Rhodes thing in where Dusty, you know, beat, uh, I think it was superstar Billy Graham. And, but it wasn't, you know, it was a wonky finish. So he had the title in his hands. They took the title away. They referenced it like 10 times. You could tell the story, and I'm going to give you time to it. I'm going to give you time to tell it. But right now, as Lisey's saying, right now, strong Batista vibes right now. And I never thought it goes to show you the power of it goes to show you how well WWE has done in telling this Cody Rhodes story. Everyone is invested in it to the point where they're booing the rock. Yeah. It's crazy. When you think about it, they're booing the biggest movie star on the planet who they have long forgiven for coming and going in the industry. They have long forgiven him for that, but he's, interfering with the story that has a near two-year investment in it. And fans, rightfully so, 
aren't happy. But again, it's February 5th, and WrestleMania is a long way away. Just give it time. Yeah, but don't screw up anymore. Please. Because Friday was an L. Yeah. Friday, but it was a cliffhanger L. The only part that bothered me was like, okay, this is left open for interpretation. What does this all mean? Until you see press conference in Las Vegas. It's rock and roman. It's like, oh, all right. It actually doesn't mean anything. Nope. We know this, what it means. There's, there's, there's no interpretation needed for that. Let's see what Cody says tonight. I assume he's challenging Seth Rollins. By the way, he goes against Seth Rollins. He, does Cody have to beat Seth? Yeah, we got. We, he's got to get something at this no, I'm point. I'm just saying because yeah. that'd be like the fourth straight time he's beat Seth Rollins. And I know Punk's injury probably threw a huge, a huge monkey wrench into all of this. Um, what if you unify him? Um, what if um, we just Daniel Bryan this whole thing, have him beat Seth day one or or day one or whatever, and beat Roman day two, and then boom, unify the titles right there. Well, where's the, how's the Rock factor in there? Gosh, yeah, the Rock messed up everything. He, he's triple threat. That's how you Daniel Bryan it. The triple threat. He wins to get into that match. So the the so I like it, but the Rock Roman match loses all of its steam if you throw Cody in it. So they have. Do you think they have to be one on one no matter what? The match loses all. It doesn't mean as much if you don't. Like this isn't Batista versus Randy Orton. Yeah. This is the Rock versus Roman Reigns. This is the one of the biggest stars in the history of the company versus a guy who's had the title for almost four years. But the problem, well, well, then not only they, 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 you can't do it, then it's just got to be Rock versus Roman, and then everyone's just got to be mad, I guess. You better find a way to make people happy. Where's Cause Goldberg? Because this, this isn't uh, uh, whatever that that pay per view that Sammy didn't beat him. Remember this? The yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that. This is WrestleMania. I think there were a lot of people who booked their trip to Philadelphia thinking they were going to see Cody's crowning moment. Now that's your fault. But let's see what happens next. Let's see what happens next. By the way, this is some WrestleMania story. What the hell happened with Cliff Kingsbury and the and the Las Vegas Raiders? I think what's trying to be reported that coming out of that is that they weren't able to get a deal finalized. So was it was it an actual contract? Like was there was it an actual dollars and cents issue, or did Washington come along and go whoa 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 don't sign there yet? We want to offer you uh, the same spot here with our team. From what I've seen, it's been very vague. I'm not sure if Washington came in and swooped in, or they didn't get like him and the Raiders didn't get something done, and then the um and then Washington came in because it was kind of like it was all in one day, right? Well, when we were at Sky River, Cliff Kingsbury, I thought was going to be the the offensive coordinator for the Raiders, and then it was over the weekend. I don't remember I think, what. Yeah, day I think it was like Saturday. Or, it was either one of those. Yeah, days. It, it was, was Saturday, quick. and then like a couple hours later, it was like, yeah, he's going to Washington. So it was probably maybe Washington told him we're going to draft Caleb. Mm. Maybe they have some intel that the Bears probably aren't going to take him. They're going to stick with Fields or something because he did work with Caleb Williams at USC. Kingsbury. Well, so that brings up another interesting. So Luke Getzey is the he's he took the he 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 took the job as Antonio Pierce's OC. He was with Chicago. That should dead any <laughs> Justin Fields. To, yeah, that's to not Vegas. that's not going to work. Yeah, that 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 clearly was a that marriage didn't work. So I don't know what Chicago's plans are. There's there's certainly going to be uh, an interesting team to follow. But what a weird 
couple of days it was. That's got that's tough for, for the, the Raiders. Raiders. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you that was hire, a big hire. You hire AP or whatever, and like I'm even like from that, like you hire AP, vibes are up. Harbaugh goes to the Chargers. All right, then your two biggest rivals are playing Super Bowl at your place. No. You're going to get Kingsbury. We all thought, oh, that's awesome for the Raiders. That's great. Everything's looking up. Now he's gone again. Yeah. And you got the guy the Bears fired now. Yeah, I did not. I did not. I did not like that recovery from Clint, Cliff Kingsbury. I did not like that Luke Getzey hire at all. Yeah, it's, it's already starting off on the wrong foot for Antonio Pierce, too. When, I mean, I'm not saying he needs all the help he can get, like in a bad way, but more so, like he is going to need like the right guys around him. Yeah, he's also your second choice. Yeah. I mean, maybe, and maybe it works out, um, but that, that, it sure feels like any, 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 you talk about fantasy booking, it sure feels like any fantasy booking of, of Justin Fields to the Las Vegas Raiders is dead, dead uh, after uh, Antonio Pierce went and signed his former offensive coordinator. Uh, one more quick note before we get back to the Sacramento Kings and the NBA uh, MetLife Stadium will host the World Cup finale. I think it was, I think it was Chris Long. I don't remember who it was. One of those guys who said, oh, this is brilliant. Put the world's most expensive ACLs on the MetLife turf. See, but the thing is, they're, they're, mm. they're, they're, they're bringing in the grass fields for this, though. Gonna, Are they yeah, really? Yeah, they're going to replace the turf with the grass fields. You guys can do it. We know you can do it. All of the stadiums. All the stadiums are going to be grass. How do you feel if you're an NFL player hearing that? Like, just oh, my, you're, my, you're, my joke to you? You're re- Exactly. Yeah, you're you're replacing it for them and just leaving yeah, us yeah, out there. Yeah, they're not playing on turf. Okay. Oh, that's spectacular. That is spectacular. Uh, back to, oh, man, I want to talk about the Grammys. That might have to wait to KSFM. Um, we were talking about the Sacramento Kings playing defense uh, a few moments ago. By the way, Will Z is going to join us uh, at the bottom of this hour. James Ham will join us uh, at the top of the 3 o'clock hour. Um, we were talking about the Kings playing defense sporadically, playing defense uh, in moments. And this is one where I'm left wondering, like, for the Kings to take the next step, we keep talking Kuzma or Jeremy Grant or trades or uh, bolstering the bench or acquisitions and the trade deadline and all of that stuff. When the Kings taking the next step may be not playing defense in moments, but playing defense more consistently. I think we saw two really good games of them on on the defensive end. Of course, there's a lot of I, – I get there's there's faults in what happened in the Chicago game, but overall I thought both games, Indiana and Chicago, they had played really well defensively. Uh, and, of course, I harped on and will continue to harp on how great De'Aaron Fox has been defensively. And I think, to me, if the Sacramento Kings have another step to take this season – it may be the amount of time that they can contribute to elite defensive play on the basketball floor rather than moments, rather than stretches, rather than, I mean, there was a, there was a, there, there have been games in recent memory where they, they held teams scoreless for like three minutes, three and a half minutes, four minutes. Like there, there's, there has been a consistent effort on the defensive end within games. It just hasn't lasted throughout. Now maybe that's not realistic. Maybe asking teams to play like at an elite level of defense for 48 minutes, especially with guys like Sacramento has. Maybe that's not realistic. Maybe they are more of a moments in games type of team. 
But if we're talking about ascending and taking the next level or perhaps moving up to that top four uh, tier, maybe that's what we're talking about versus acquiring this player, this player, or bolstering the bench in any type of way. So you think it still has that impact then if they were to step up their defense a bit? Absolutely. Yeah, I do. I do. Look at how energized De'Aaron was in those two games, like particularly the Chicago game. You couldn't tell. That was probably one of De'Aaron's best games as a professional basketball player. He was frustrating on the defensive side of the ball and was virtually unstoppable on the offensive side of the ball. And it's the the old commentator line, man. The ball has energy. Yeah, I think... I think the player the, that first round against the Warriors kind of scared me a bit just because I think we did see their defense step up there, and I think what killed them is the fact that their offense took a dip. They weren't able to hit their shots. But I don't think their offense took a dip because they were playing a higher level of defense. Well, no, not not that, but more so like I'm not sure – I'm not sure if they do like step up and play the defense. I'm not sure it has the same impact. I don't know if that takes them to the next level. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like the Jeremy Grant or Kyle Kuzma would. I'm not – like I think I think the way they're playing like now where they play in the moments and like come playoff time, if they step it up, like you play well on the road in the fourth quarter. Like I think I don't think I've maybe just come to accept like that's that's okay for this team, I think. Mm-hmm. Like I think if you were to trade for Kyle Kuzma or Jeremy Grant, like that's still if you're playing defense in the moments or whatever, turn it up when you need to, like that'll like you'll still be able to get to the next level. So you don't think there's an impact on this team this season if they're more consistent defensively? Maybe it gets you to the second round, but honestly, with this roster as is, I'm, I don't want to say I'm out on because that's kind of harsh, but just more so like I'm not sure how much meat is left on the bone. Pause for that. That was good. No, it's, 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 it's fine. I'm going to – it's fine. Yeah, throw the flag. That's fine. Um, like you can play defense, what but if, I'm not sure how much it's going to do. I just think well, I think we went over we went over numbers with like when you look at teams in the NBA Finals and NBA champions, like with very, 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 very few exceptions, they're all top defensive teams. Now, that's that's kind of one extreme to the other, right? We're talking about advancing out of the first round to winning an NBA championship, but there's but there's there's a direct correlation with being a solid defensive team or in most cases a very good defensive team and we'll we'll frame very good as a top 10 defensive team and winning a championship being a contender and that's why and that's why I'm harping on what that's why I think the biggest stories of this season especially if nothing happens over the course of the next 4 days leading into the trade deadline on Thursday the biggest takeaways from the the, the first part of the season right now are De'Aaron is even better than last year. He's stepping up defensively. Domas is even better than he was last year. And you have a legit wing defender in Keegan Murray. All of those things bode well for where you want the Sacramento Kings to go in the future. It's the it's the expectations thing, right? We were just talking about expectations with WrestleMania and The Rock and Cody and all that. Well, expectations for this Kings team were probably set a little bit too high by everyone involved, by us, by fans, by Mike Brown himself, at least publicly stating those intentions was probably a little bit too much because this team doesn't appear to have the makeup of a contender, an NBA championship contender. But they grow together 
and you make tweaks rather than Domas Tyrese type changes, next year I think you're even in a better position. I think a lot of defense is establishing habits. Habits that not just carry over from game to game to game, and you hope they carry over tonight into Cleveland, but carry over into the next season as well. Like that you can establish, hey, this team has a defensive identity. In theory, it works. And I think, yeah, it would it would help definitely and all. And I think it could take them to the next level, but it's just, I, I don't know. I just, I don't trust it. I don't think this team, I don't think this team can get to there with their, with their defense. Because like you said, um, we bring up the road numbers and all that. Those are numbers we can bring up from last year too. Like it's just they but haven't see, made that switch yet, and it's like, is it shame on us for waiting still? No, I, no, oh, it, no, it's not because we're at fifteen twenty six. There's twenty six road games where they're ranked in the top ten defensively. So twenty six games of the season. They're ranked eighth defensively. And then when you realize they put up, I don't know if they're identical numbers, but very similar numbers on the roll. So now you've got 41 games. So now you got 41 and 26. What do we have, 67 right there? Now you've got a sample size of 67 basketball games where you've shown you can be a top defensive team, a top 10 defensive team. And so, no, there's no shame in continuing to wait for that because they've shown us they can do it. The question is just why are they doing it on the road and not at home? More specifically, why are they only doing it on the road? And because it's not like they're 8th and 15th or 8th and 16th. They're like 8th and then like 26th. Like how? I, I, that, honestly, I think it comes down to they just have a suitable way of winning at home that doesn't work on the road necessarily. You play off the crowd, all the energy and all that. It just, it works. Like, like obviously, we say all the right things. Fox says, yeah, we need to figure out a way to um, not play off the crowd at home and, like, bring our defense here. But it's just a matter of, like, the stats and the numbers are right there. It's just, that's just a suitable way for them to win right now, I guess. Because, like, we, we've been on it since last year. Why haven't they done mm-hmm. it? And it's just, we haven't know. seen any progress at all. I'll ask Mike. I don't know. I don't know why they haven't done it, but they're capable of doing it, and that's the part that just continues to kind of. Well, it's kind of like the Harrison Barnes thing too. Like um, Harrison Barnes started off the season all slow, and we knew he was capable of playing a lot better. Now we're seeing it. Just a matter of doing it, I guess. Maybe they need another pep talk, or whatever the hell happened that got Harrison playing the way that he is right now, and and and, and being as aggressive as he is. So Karen DeBagley brings up a suggestion: maybe Kings fans just start booing at home. Maybe you start whatever works more at that point. Whatever works, start cheering the other team. Shoot, it happens some nights anyway, so we might as well just all buy into it. If it helps, do it. Uh, we'll come back. Will Z is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. He just posted his Kings Cavs by the number preview. Uh, we'll talk to him, James Ham, at the top of the hour. Much more Kings talk ahead here. We're dealing with KC, brought to you by Sky River Casino and Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Will Z set to join us coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Now on 6909-1320. Let's get to Steven. Steven, what's going on, baby? What's going on, D-Lil? What's up, Jesse? What's going on, brother? What's hey. on your mind? Yeah, man. I was um, One of the main things that's been, I guess, as a Kings fan, irking me, and part of this has to do with um, 
a little confusion watching De'Aaron on whether he's you know was playing through an injury or what was going on with him for a period. But I feel like there's a huge difference with how we run our offense in the fourth quarter in clutch situations as opposed to um, this year compared to last year. And I think with our team especially, we have a lot of guys uh, that aren't shot creators, and Malik Monk is kind of like that other guy. But we've almost moved De'Aaron to an off-ball, uh, you know, um, an off-ball situation to where it was almost, it's almost like when he was playing with Tyrese a little bit, where he's in the corner, you know, and Malik is running pick and roll, like, you know, with Domas, which is a, it's a great play. But we, we just have him out of the action way, you know, too often. I think we got, at least to me, in this Bulls game, for example, since that's fresh in everybody's mind, Harrison Barnes hits a huge, you know, pull-up uh, midi to put us up by five. That's not really, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, crap, it went in. Hallelujah. <laughs> but it was not the shot that I want to live and die by as a Kings fan. And mm-hmm. I don't know if this is, is something that's been noticeable to everybody, but I just feel like we have, we've got from the clutch player of the year initiating things in these moments. And that's, to me, what made the Kings special last year. It was in the fourth quarter in the close game, you had a confidence about you because De'Aaron Fox could get a good shot at any time. You know, he could he could get to a spot and get his shots. And if they try to take that away, it's two-on-one. It's a, you know, somebody's going to get an open shot all the time. And throwing the ball in the Domas in the clutch and, and him trying to back somebody down, it's, these are things you can do throughout games when it's in the flow. But trying to do that in big moments, I don't think works at all. Okay. Um, I actually don't have a a a, a gripe with that. I d- I disagree in a, a a little bit, and then I feel like De'Aaron is still very assertive late in games. Um, I think there have been times this year where we saw Malik do it. Um, I think it uh, it, it depends on the flow of the game. Mike is a real. It feels like Mike is a real like kind of flow guy and he like just like he especially late in the game he'll just kind of go in the flow and if 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 you know Malik is having one of those nights Malik will stay out there and close the game with De'Aaron and then I think everybody and I could absolutely be wrong on this Stephen but then I think everybody defers to De'Aaron and allows De'Aaron to kind of set the tone so if De'Aaron wants things to run through Domas because Domas can translate to an open look for Malik for De'Aaron for Harrison, for Keegan, then I think that's what he's going to do. If it's De'Aaron attacking the basket, which I think we also saw um, in the Chicago game, I think that's what he's going to do. If it's getting the ball to Malik and falling back and letting Malik attack in whichever way he sees fit, we've seen that this year also. I think it's one of the the big pluses to the guys on this team, the different things that they can do, like Domas, Malik, and De'Aaron can all facilitate at an extremely high level. And I get I, I, I get your point, Stephen, about getting the ball to Domas and having him, you know, back in and try to create from there. But it's it it proves to be effective because even though we don't feel like De'Aaron is a excuse me, we don't feel like Domas is a big threat to shoot or is a big threat to be really, really aggressive on the offensive end late in games. Teams can't guard him that way because he's so efficient down there. So that's why you see guys fall back, which winds up with 
Malik or Herder, depending on who's on the floor, Barnes or Murray, uh, being wide open. I get the question. I get the thought. I think it's actually a more of a plus than it is a minus for this team. Because if you go back to the beginning of the year, we saw we saw Malik really, really aggressive in the closeout of games um, on numerous times, on numerous occasions. And I think that's all on the shoulders of De'Aaron. We've heard Domas say this before. Kenny brings it up regularly that Domas will defer to De'Aaron. Hey, what do you want to do? Like the offense may run to, but I'm, I'm, I'm following your lead, lead here. Even though he might not be as aggressive or it may not seem like he's being aggressive as he was last year in the fourth quarter, I still think De'Aaron is dictating everything that happens in the fourth quarter. My man Johnny asked here in the chat, youtube.com slash ESPN1320, do you really think that a trade is a good idea at this point in the season? I feel like Herter and Barnes have stepped up. It's from our man Johnny. Johnny, I think that's a great question. And I feel like if the Sacramento Kings make a move over the course of the next four days, it's likely something that doesn't involve Herter or Barnes. And I actually wonder if Barnes was ever a part of any conversation. The only one is if there was real traction, legitimate traction, to a Pascal Siakam conversation. If there was legitimate traction to a Pascal Siakam trade, Barnes would have probably have had to have been involved because that probably would have been Barnes and Herter both involved because of the salary. Now, how far that conversation went along, I don't really know. I don't even know if Harrison would have been involved in any OG and Anobi conversations. But like when we get into these other players that we've talked about on this show a billion different times, I don't know that Harrison is a part of those. I feel like Herter might more likely be a part of those. And at this point, I don't know. And this is the difficulties. Uh, this is one of the many difficulties of being a general manager. This is the difficulty with with you know being Monty McNair right now is do you believe what you've seen over the course of the last Harrison Barnes it's been just an extraordinary turnaround in the last seven games Kevin Herter's had a really really good run that stretches out a little bit longer if you're Monty McNair do you believe that is who your Sacramento Kings basketball team is and is it in your best interest to try to bolster that bench is it in your best interest to attack out the buy buyout market? Or is it in your best interest to stay put? I feel you in the sense that Herder and Barnes are playing really well. I just ask collectively, I ask everybody, do you think that's who they are right now? Do you think what we have seen most recently from Kevin Herter is who Kevin Herter is. Because remember, Kevin Herter had the roller coasters last year. Is what we're seeing right now from Harrison Barnes, Harrison Barnes. And again, take 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 into account the fact that even in this seven-game stretch where Harrison has played really, really well, He's had games where he scored, again, at the, we, we had the numbers earlier, he's averaging 14 shot attempts per game and 20 points. That's fantastic. 
But he also has this stretch of, you know, he had a 39-point game. He had a 32-point game. He had a 10-point game and a 9-point game. So he's no longer invisible, which is a huge plus. He's no longer out there one of two, one rebound, one assist. Those numbers are just completely unacceptable for a player of his caliber. However, there still is a bit of a roller coaster with Harrison. It's just not as dramatic. It's a it's a safer roller coaster. It's just a still a little bumpy. Some ups and some downs. And that's the that's that's what money has to figure out. Will these ups and downs get us where we want to go? The bigger question is probably how will these ups and downs impact us moving forward? Because there is a point. I don't think this is something that if you're Monty McNair, you think about last season. But I do think this season you do start to think about your future. You think about your trajectory. You think about your goals and you think about what it's going to take to ultimately attain your goals to the Obviously, the biggest goal of winning an NBA championship. You have to start asking yourself the question of what sets us up best for the future without setting us back. That's to maintain and improve, right? You don't want to get do anything that sets you back, but at some point, you've got to take a step forward. And remember the question that we asked three years ago on this show. I think Portland was you know, doing whatever they do in the playoffs and then they get eliminated and, you know, Portland, you know, is dealing with that and then it becomes, you know, would you rather be Portland? You have some playoff moments, you make the playoffs year after year, but you're never really a title threat. Would you rather be Sacramento? At the time, everyone, hands down, said, be Portland. Give me to the playoffs eight, nine years in a row. Give me those moments, absolutely. But that's easy for an opposing team's fan base. Portland was never able to make that next step. Portland wasn't, they were probably never able to figure out what the next step was. Can Monty McNair? Can Monty McNair figure out what the next step is? What does it take for the Sacramento Kings to get that much better? And are any steps taken over the course of the next four days? My guess is no. I think I do think that the Sacramento Kings love the idea of Kyle Kuzma. We know we know that Monty McNair likes Kyle Kuzma. There's enough evidence to show us he likes Kyle Kuzma. If they can acquire Kyle Kuzma in a trade, I think that they will. But I also don't think they're going to do anything stupid in the process of trying to acquire him. I also don't think there's anyone else that they're looking to acquire outside of him. That's not reporting. That's an opinion. That is just 100% my opinion. And anything that they do over the next couple of days, I think we're talking, you know, Jesse mentioned Gordon Hayward. We're talking, we're talking buyout contracts. We're talking guys, you know, to add to the bench. We're talking about stuff that maybe doesn't necessarily feel uh, earth-shattering uh, as we bring in our main man, Will Z, here. Will, what's happening, my man? 
Will, I don't have any volume on you. Is your are you are you muted? You're not muted. Is that me? No, no. That's it's 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 uh hang on, Will. I think I got it. Hang on, guys. Stand by. Stand by. Someone was messing with the computer. <laughs> oh, damn it, I hate having roommates. It was James Ham, I bet. Don't touch the buttons, James. It had to have been James Ham. Good? Well, yeah, we're good. What's up, William? All right. What's up? <laughs> it's a great thing. Always an adventure. They could all hear you, but I couldn't. So that's fantastic. Uh, that's tremendous. As it goes. Absolutely tremendous. But now we all can hear you. Um, let's start with this recent stretch of the Kings. We'll get we'll get to the we'll get to the Cavs tonight, man. And the Cavs are monsters right now. But yo, the Kings are playing good basketball right now, right? They are, and they're just finding ways to win. Some people are a little upset about how they're doing it, but to me, it's they're winning. We've uh, gotten to the stage where uh, we're upset with how they're winning. <laughs> Boy, how times have changed. Oh, yeah. Um, and to me, they they seem like they do. Obviously, there are games where they're really good or really bad, but the majority of the ones where they do like just enough to pass or get a good grade like, you know, you think back to school. This is always how I was, where I do, like, just enough, but, like, I know what it's going to take to, like, get an A or something, and I'll do that. I'm not going to do, like, extra work. And to me, that's what it feels like with them. It's like they know what they need to do to win. They know that threshold that they need to be at for their opponents, and they're doing it. Like, you were saying it never felt like they were going to lose the last game. Mm -hmm. And I have the exact same feeling. It's like, they're going to win. They're going to do enough to win. And they did. I don't know if that's a good formula to have going forward. Um, but I mean, regular season, you'll take it. Yeah, I mean, maybe you're, you're winning basketball games. I mean, yeah. like, like, you know, yeah. what I love, I would have loved for them to have beaten Chicago by 40. It makes a difference in their point differential number, but that's about it. It doesn't make a difference yep. anywhere else. They didn't gain any, gain any extra games on Phoenix. This isn't the BCS. This isn't the college football playoff. Go out there, get wins, have takeaways from those games. Like I go back to, uh, oh, Will, Memphis. They struggled mm -hmm. against that that just terrible, you know, Boston beat Memphis by like 40 last night. That's what everyone wanted Sacramento to do. It didn't yeah. really work out that way. And the first thing Domas said after the game was that was unacceptable. The way we played tonight was not acceptable. To me, that's a good thing. Um, runs in games happen. I don't think like too much about that unless you actually lose all of it and lose the game. You could mm -hmm. ask the Bucks about that. They blew a 30-point lead to Utah and lost. Kings blew a 30-point lead to Chicago and won by, like, eight. Like, those aren't yep. – like, runs happen within games, and sometimes it really, really sucks when it happens. Sometimes it feels like your team is giving up too many big leads. Uh, but it was another win uh, on a road trip in which they've been playing uh, really, really well in another game in a stretch of basketball that's getting a little bit longer to, you know, exemplify the fact this team is mm -hmm. playing good basketball. Yeah, it is. And they're doing it in just multiple ways. They're not shooting great from three. So if you look at their last, what was it? They've won six of their last seven. 
They've only shot over 40% in one of those games. Like they're just doing it in a well-rounded way, which I think is the most sustainable to win. They're not riding a hot streak of shooting from like everyone on the team. They're figuring out ways to win that we didn't see earlier in this, which is great, I think. And that's what you need to kind of develop into what we saw last season, get that offense back on track uh, for getting into the postseason in that you can win when you're not maybe hitting all your threes. Uh, If they're going to turn six of seven into seven of eight, they're going to have to go through the hottest team in the association right now. Tell us a little bit about uh, this red-hot Cleveland Cavaliers team. Man, they are good. Like, people... I don't think that the Cavs are getting the recognition that they deserve. Like, I'll just throw some numbers out. On the season, offensive rating of 115.3, defensive rating 110.5, net rating of 4.7. Those rank 17th, 2nd, and 7th. But in the last 14 games, uh, uh, 15, no, yeah, 14 games, they have a... Those numbers jump up to 120.1, 104.3, and 15.8, which would on the season rank third, first, and first. Like they are just playing on both sides of the ball extremely well and using it clearly to win at a very high rate. You mentioned them being kind of slept on a little bit. You know, I, I feel like I know why. The Knicks were playing really. The Knicks are playing mm. really, really well at the yeah. same time, and you know, as we were talking about earlier, anytime the Knicks are playing well, that's going to trump you know, little old Cleveland. Uh, but yeah. the Cavs' stretch of basketball here, as you mentioned, thirteen of their last fourteen, Donovan Mitchell, it feels like quietly is just playing at an extraordinary level again, uh, averaging twenty-eight five and like six or something like that. Yeah. And the 1.9 steals, he does it on both sides of the ball. He is just so consistently good. And I think still getting better, which is wild. I think this year he's taken another leap on defense. And I think that's why they don't get the credit, even though the Knicks, like the Knicks are winning with defense too, especially with the OG. But it's like the Cavs just do the dirty work. They have the two, uh, Jared Allen and Mobley, the just are both so good at defending the paint. Maybe it's not the most exciting brand of basketball, and that's why they don't get the attention. But Donovan Mitchell, I just remember a few years ago really watching him in more detail and just his explosiveness and the amount of space he can create with his step back is just absurd. Like He is so shifty and strong that he's just he's fun to watch it should be a good matchup the kings play the Cavs really well and mm-hmm. i'm looking forward to tonight to see how the two of them match up did you look this up is it three straight wins for sacramento against cleveland i didn't look it up i can though that feels right because i know they won i know two. they got the one earlier and I, they definitely year. won two last year i have no idea yeah. what happened before that but i i know they've yeah. at least won three because the two last year were extremely memorable, and I remember thinking going into this year, it's going to be tough to get Cleveland again. And they got Mm -hmm. Cleveland again. So um, those types of things always make me nervous. Why Will looks that up. Let's have some fun. 
Um, Donovan Mitchell, 28.2, 5.5, 6.4, and 1.9 steals. Um, Will Z just laid that out. How about our guy De'Aaron Fox? 27.5, 4.0, 5.4, and 1.8 steals per game. These two are neck and neck uh, when it comes to the upper echelons, of course. Of course, Donovan's an all-star. De'Aaron oh, could yeah. never could never be such a thing with measly numbers like 27.4, 5, and, and, and 1.9, but uh, his numbers are right up there with Donovan Mitchell's. Yeah, uh, and it is three in a row, um, followed by two losses before that. And if you look at the way that the Kings have beat them, and this will be important for tonight as well, dating back to last year, they the Kings have shot 43.6% from three, 48.5, and then 47.6 this year. And that gets into the swing stat for tonight. I... I'm firmly in the camp that if you want to beat the Cavs, you have to make your threes. Their defense is too good, especially in the uh, restricted area. You could theoretically win if they kind of go cold from three, but if you look at Cleveland's opponents' three-point shooting splits, so in the games that Cleveland has won, their opponents have shot 32.4% from three. Mm -hmm. In the games that Cleveland has lost, it's 41.5%. Oh, man. Huge discrepancy yeah. and Holy shows cow. that that's really one of the only ways to beat them. And the Kings have done it three times in a row. So they so the the inside game isn't the way to go tonight? Inside out with Domas, that's not the way to go tonight? Maybe. Um, some other interesting numbers is in the first matchup this year, the Kings really torched them in the floater area. The Cavs are one of the best, if not the best, at protecting the restricted area. But the Kings kind of torched them in the floater area. They shot 19 of 22, 86.4% in the zone, compared to 7 of 12, 58.3% in the restricted area. So they stopped just a little short of the rim, and I think used the the tendencies of the Cavs defense to protect the rim against them a little. Mm -hmm. And the Kings are so good at the floater area. They lead the league with a 48.9% uh, shooting in that zone. And they have multiple players that can hit from there. Fox, Sabonis, Herder, sneaky good from there. Monk, Barnes, they can all kind of stop short and hit that uh, shorter shot from that spot. So I don't know if that's something they turn to a lot again tonight but it's something that's worked for them in the past. November 13th, first time these two teams played this year, 25 points from Keegan Murray, 23 from Domas, 20 from Kevin Herter, 28 from De'Aaron Fox, double digits from both Malik Monk and Sasha Vazenkov. Harrison Barnes, this was a different Harrison. This was a different time. Two for four in that game for four points. The only starter... Not only the only starter not in double figures, the only starter that didn't score 20 was HB in that first matchup uh, against Cleveland. Though, as we laid out, Will, this is an entirely different Harrison Barnes. Uh, he had, He's averaging 20 points on 14 shots per game uh, over the course of the last seven games, and hopefully that's the guy we see the rest of the way. Yeah, and I think it kind of has to be 
we always talk about how Barnes isn't going to be as impactful in the other areas with rebounding or passing. He's not going to block shots. Like his, to me, Barnes, his only way to really impact the game is by scoring, which sounds rough, but it's kind of what we've seen. Like, yeah, he'll have some nights where he gets eight rebounds and we all applaud him, but that's not the normal for him. So to have a player like him, I think he has to get his shots up. We've seen it recently where even if he's not hitting them, he keeps shooting them, which mm-hmm. I prefer over going two for four, yep. four points. Yep. It's it's too much. I don't know if it's too much to ask him to just be a rebounder or an assist guy just because it's not what he does. So I like the direction that they've gone recently in the last few games where you kind of have to put him in the offense more. And we've seen Keegan take a little bit of a step back, but he can impact the game in those other ways that Barnes can't on defense um, and with more rebounds. So I don't know. It's a trade-off of Keegan maybe growing now versus using Barnes now. And it's always goes back to that. What do you want now versus what do you want to build for the future? And I think Kings fans want the, the now of Barnes shooting and scoring. Head over to willzstats.com and check out his preview for tonight's game. Kings versus the Cavaliers. We'll come back. James Ham will join us. We'll talk more Kings basketball here with either one KC on Sacramento sports leader ESPN 1320. Hammer was just explaining the, Devastation the wind did at his home yesterday during that commercial break. James Ham kind enough to join us here a little bit early with KC out for the day. Um, but yeah, it's been a been a wild day or so of weather here in our region. Um, shout out to all the cleanup crews who were out there working because I took Sprout for a walk earlier and it was a mess. And by the time I left to come in the studio, they had gotten a pretty good portion of it cleared off of the street. So salute to Everybody out there moving tree branches and all of that stuff because it was it was pretty ugly there for a little bit uh, and certainly a wild night. Um, and it could be a wild night in Cleveland if the Sacramento Kings are able to shut down one of the hottest teams in the league, maybe not one of the hottest teams, maybe the hottest team uh, in the league. Sacramento Kings are playing pretty damn well themselves, but the, the Cleveland Cavaliers have won 13 of their last 14. They've won five straight. And Will Z just uh, laid out for us, man. They do it on the defensive end. They do it on the offensive end. And if this win streak is going to be uh, is going to continue, uh, or if this stretch of really good basketball is going to continue for Sacramento, it's going to be a tough, tough road ahead against a team that they've played pretty well the last two years. Yeah, this is a really good team, and they're a difficult matchup on paper to the for the Kings, but in reality, that hasn't really translated. So. Uh, the Kings have done perfectly fine dealing with the length and athleticism of the Cavs in the past. Uh, you know, they've got a couple of guys, Garland and uh, Jared Allen are both questionable, but Sabonis has eaten those guys alive the last couple of times they've played. And I, I would expect him to do the same to Mobley if if we don't see Jared Allen on the court. Should be a good matchup. You know, you always talk about the the final game of a long road trip seven game road trip is brutally long. You know, these guys have been away forever. I feel bad for, you know, people like Kyle and Katie who have been out there like on, on the road with the team, you know, they don't get the, they don't have the same lifestyle that the players do. Uh, They, they do stay in nice hotels and stuff, but 
still it's just a long time away to, uh, from from kids and family. Yeah, definitely. Um, but they've been treated to some good basketball. This has been a really good road trip for Sacramento. Five and one uh, so far headed into uh, this final game, which I think is certainly beyond uh, even our most optimistic expectations headed into this seven-game road trip. What is it about the way the Sacramento Kings have played, really? And I don't, I don't know where you lie, James. You could choose to include that four-game losing streak where they did play really well against Milwaukee but lost. They they played really well for 41 minutes against Phoenix and lost, and they had that stinker, I think it was, against Indiana. But there's there has been a, a, a collective sample size of good basketball here for Sacramento where it doesn't feel like there's as many you know ups and downs as we saw at the start of the season. Yeah, I, I think that if we look at that, that three three game stretch, three or four games, it may have been like the the thing that taught this team a lot. Uh, I think that you know being in close games is very very important during the regular season, and having all these blowout wins and losses, they almost don't have value. Mm. You know, I hate saying that, but they don't. You know, sure you can get the feeling of what it's like when you're just bombarding a team and you know the feel good for a win, but these close games. And even though they were losses, I think they taught this team that they weren't good enough right then, that they needed to figure out how to close out games, that they had a few things they were doing wrong that if they got in the film room and then got on the practice floor, they could really learn from. And sure enough, we've seen the Kings really handle sort of close games really well over the last you know week. And you got a game like Chicago the other night where you know they almost blew a 30-point lead, got all the way down to three. But look, that's that is the modern NBA. It's it's certainly 2023-24 season in the NBA where offense is completely king. And you're talking about a team who was on the second night of a back to back that's on the the I think it was the fourth night of three games and four nights. Uh they were dog tired and they held on and they found a way to win. And that's what we're talking about. You got to find ways to win, figure out when everything goes wrong, can you pull together for five stops? Can you pull together for, for three minutes and play really solid basketball just to try to hold on? And they figured it out. And so I think we're seeing a good stretch of basketball that uh, realistically, I, I don't know if it changes your idea about who this team is going forward or even who this team is, you know, heading into the trade deadline. But You'd rather see him be on a good stretch than a bad stretch, especially when, you know, this thing could have spun out pretty quickly and the season could look a lot different right now as opposed to being 10 games over 500. How much can we attribute to the way that the Sacramento Kings are playing to whatever light bulb went off in Harrison Barnes or whatever was said to Harrison Barnes? or whatever has caused Harrison Barnes's field goal attempts and points per game to double in the last seven games over his season average through the first 41. Yeah, you know, Damian, it really does feel like that three-day break that the team had had a huge influence on just maybe the perspective of this team about how they were maybe not being as, as equal and fair to one another as you would hope that they would have been. And I think it probably maybe even started a little bit before that with, with the way 
that Kevin Herter woke up out of his slump mm-hmm. and started to play more and more productive basketball. And I think it's possible that Harrison Barnes saw that as a pathway forward for him as well. Um, but, you know, I, I think this this Kings team is kind of funny. As soon as, you know, one guy picks it up, another guy falls back. And as soon as two guys pick it up, two guys fall back. And, you know, so I, I think throughout this entire season, we've kind of seen that where it's really difficult for the top six guys on this team, maybe even seven, for all of them to have a really good game at the same time. There's just not enough shots to go around. They've got a lot of offensive weapons. And for me, what we're starting to see now is sure Harrison Barnes is kicking up and and Kevin Herter's found his his bounce and and then Malik Monk has a couple of games where he looks great again. But now you're seeing Keegan Murray fall back. And so Keegan over his last four games has three games where he's he scored five points and one where he scored thirty three. Sort of like this inconsistency of a young player, but and they lost really, I think the thirty three. That's the weirdest part. Yeah. They lost the game he scored thirty three and won the three games he scored five. Well, I think that that's an interesting point, and it might speak to sort of a young player and the way that they're bringing him along, and the fact that his points and his contributions, like they can be big in a game, but I think there are players on this team that maybe their stats are more impactful today and that you'll slowly see Keegan become one of those extremely impactful players as, as he gets more, uh, as he gets deeper into his career. But for right now, it does, it sure does feel like every time Trey Lyles catches fire in a game, you're going to win. And when Malik Monk brings his a game, the Kings don't lose. And so that's something that, you know, De'Aaron Fox is going to get his points and Demonis Sabonis is going to do his thing, but sometimes the weight of of some of these players that that aren't taking the step forward, that aren't demanding more shots and and more of the you know piece of the pie, uh, that those are crucial players for how this team has to advance. And so, I mean, it's kind of an intriguing season to watch because none of it feels like they they just haven't like hit on all cylinders. It, mm-hmm. it feels like even though they're 10 games over, like you can, you're waiting for the backfire. You know, you mm-hmm. can hear the the engine missing, like two cylinders aren't clicking tonight. And there'll be a game where this team figures it all out. And, you know, maybe it'll be like on the last game of a seven game road trip. You never know. But uh, I also think that the, the path ahead, the next, you know, once you get past this game, once you get past, uh, what is it? Detroit, when they come home, it gets really, really difficult going into the all-star break and coming out of the all-star break. And I think we'll know a lot more about who this team is after that two week stretch more than we will, uh, this stretch right here. Yeah. I wonder if we're starting to see some signs about who this Sacramento Kings team could be. We talked about Keegan, uh, and his kind of struggles on the offensive end, um, but his impact seems to be there on a night-to-night basis on the defensive end. De'Aaron has been playing otherworldly defensively uh, in the last two games. 11 steals uh, in the last two games. He's having, had a really good season overall, averaging 1.8 uh, steals uh, per game. He's third in the league behind SGA, who is considered the, you know, the premium uh, defending guards. And then he's right behind, just right behind Donovan Mitchell, who's at 1.9, and it feels like that 
what he was doing on the defensive side of the ball against Chicago was what carried him to that 41 points. You could see his energy. You could see everything shift in him, and he starts to do that thing when he starts to when he starts to get in a vibe. He hits a shot, and he does that thing with his hands, and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, Fox, Fox is feeling himself right now. But it was on both ends of the floor. And to me, Hammer, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, the trajectory of this team, maybe not necessarily this year, maybe to a minor degree this year, but the trajectory of this team long-term is completely different if we're talking about De'Aaron Fox as a top three defensive guard in the league. Oh, for sure. I mean, if he's going to be a guy who steps into that role and really does, you know, figure it out. First of all, I don't think you can be an elite, elite defensive guard and an average 30 a game. And maybe SGA is going to prove me wrong there, but like the long haul of a season is just really difficult. There's a difference between a bunch of steals and being a great defender. And, you know, like, you can you can be a marginal defender who gets a bunch of steals, uh, but I, I think the way that Fox has been able to get deflections and to be engaged, pressure the ball, mm-hmm. like really stop the point of attack, to me it it shows a huge step in his progress. But also, I think you know when you're in line to make an All Star team, I, I think most players they understand that to get there, you got to score and you got to be you know that guy you got to be the guy who averages 28 or 30 points a game and and i think when you don't make the all-star team even though you're doing that stuff i think there might come a point where De'Aaron realizes that the real substance to who he can be as a player is as a two-way player and not just as his juggernaut as a scorer the way that the kings get great is is not by fox scoring more points is by fox doing the other things and more and more of the other things of playing defense, of uh, getting deflections, of you know going in having a night where he has six or eight rebounds, or a night where he he you know dishes out a bunch of assists. Like there's a way that this team gets way way better, and De'Aaron Fox just stays where he's at as a player. And I, I think he's starting to realize that that winning is should be all that matters. It like the accolades. He just kind of got showed the door by the NBA that. It doesn't matter how big of a number you put up. The only way to earn respect in this league is to win and not just win in the regular season, but take that next step and, and win in, uh, in the, in the postseason. It's ridiculous. It's not what the all-star game is. It's ridiculous. No, I, I totally get you. I I get you. But as a player, you got to look around and say, why did I not make it? And you can say, I, I got jobbed for sure. Uh, but you can also take it to heart and go, you know what? As a team, we haven't been consistent at all, right? And so maybe that's where we have to start. Maybe if if we become consistent and we keep winning and we to keep doing the things we we need to do, then Sacramento can earn the respect that it deserves. And it, it's kind of weird because you thought that you got to the end of the season and they just won one award after another, right? Mm-hmm. You know, coach of the year, uh, six man, well, not six man, uh, Clutch uh, yeah, clutch player, uh, executive of the year, um, all NBA status, all these mm-hmm. things. And people go, oh, well, all you'd be worried about is all NBA. It's like, hey, they just voted and yet you didn't make the all-star right. team again. Do you think you're going to make all NBA? Like, I don't know that that's, and that will cost him 
uh, tens of millions of dollars. Like, because there's a big difference between a guy going into a max extension at 35% and, and a max extension at 30%. And that's if he strings together these two all NBA seasons together. And so, yeah, I mean, this is uh it, it is kind of a moment where I think De'Aaron needs to take, take a step back and reflect. And, and I, I hate that they both got left off the all-star game. I, I think it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And, you know, you could say it could be like recency bias that, you know, De'Aaron Fox really didn't have a great month of January. And it's like, okay, well then what's your excuse for Sabonis? Because Sabonis had one of the best months of January we've ever seen. I mean, Mm -hmm. the guy's averaging almost a triple double and the entire month. And not only that, but he's leaving the league and rebounding. He's, he's like fourth in the league in win shares. He's even on NBA.com. He's seventh in MVP balloting. And that's league wide. That's not just a Western conference. Like, how could you leave one of these guys off the all-star team? And the fact is, I think a lot of people around the league are, are a little leery on what Sacramento is and, and who they are as a team. And they should have that same thought about the, the Los Angeles Lakers, who are just not a good team, or the, the Golden State Warriors, who are just not a good basketball team at all. They're a bad team. And they still got all-stars, and one of them, those teams got two all-stars. But... I still think that there is something that that the Kings have to prove to the rest of the league. And so these things don't happen where they get disrespected like this. Yeah, I think it's... Have you ever asked the coach if they did or didn't vote for someone in the All-Star game? No, I think that's kind of strange because, and I'll tell you, a lot of coaches, they don't take it seriously, that they, they do hand it off to their assistants and or they hand it off to an assistant who hands it off to an assistant um, or somebody who just scribbles down a bunch of things. I just think it's really strange. And and to be honest, like I, I hope one of them or both of them get in as as injury replacements. But there's no guarantee that that's going to happen at all. Right. And it's just the reality of the situation. That means somebody's got to get hurt between now and, you know, right. a week and a half from now. And as of right now, I mean, there isn't anyone limping in. It's not like there's no Julius you know, Randle on the West. Like Julius Randle's hurt. He's not going to be in the All Star game. I assume Trey Young is going to get in. There's no obvious. That's not well. Here. Joel Embiid. Yeah, Joel, Joel Embiid. Embiid yeah, it's another too. one. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the West doesn't have one of those guys right now. And I do believe if if there is an injury in the West, that you know Sabonis is probably first and Fox is probably second but still means that somebody's got to get hurt, and I'm not sure that it's going to happen. It's funny that this team is probably playing at the exact same clip that they were last year when they got two All-Stars, but now they value winning because that same clip is good for fifth in the West, better than their Phoenix Suns, who they got two All-Stars in there for, but you know, below Minnesota, Los Angeles, Oklahoma City, and Denver. It's... um. The thinking is ridiculous to me, and I do think Sacramento. I do think Sacramento still has a stigma to it. I still think Sacramento has a bad franchise stigma to it because last year, at this time, James, all we were hearing about for two weeks leading into the trade deadline, leading into the All Star break, and even in the initial days coming out of the All Star break, was how Sacramento was going to get caught. They were going to get exposed because everyone was going to ramp up and they were going to be better and the Sacramento Kings were going to fall back. Sure, they could be a cute little story. Sure, they could be, you know, maybe sixth if they do if they play their cards right, but there's no way they're going to maintain this third spot. And they turned out to be one of the better teams in the entire league in the second part of the season. No one 
has said that about the Oklahoma City Thunder. No one has made that proclamation about this young basketball team relying on some good, some some good, a really good coach, a good rookie in Chet Holmgren, and a superstar in SGA. No one has questioned whether they're going to be able to maintain the 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 struggles of the second part of the season like they did Sacramento last year. It's because they all love Oklahoma City. They all love Sam Presti. It's a team that they've been building up for five years. They can't say anything bad about Minnesota because they've been building Minnesota up for four years, and this was the first year they were actually right about them. So they can't say anything bad about them, so let's just take it all out on Sacramento because even though they're a season and a half into this run, yeah, we don't buy it. Yeah, I think the biggest travesty is, you brought it up, it's with Cat. Right. Cat makes the all star game um, playing for a Minnesota team that very well could do exactly what we thought that the Kings would do last year. And the Kings didn't do. I want to see where it's, it's kind of weird. That's why the all star break in the middle of the season is kind of strange because you're basically gauging a, a team, not just even on like like 50 or 60 games, whatever it ends up being it's really in order to like make the, the the balloting was in like last week. So you're almost looking at like halfway through the season, like you're making a proclamation on what players are. And like, historically speaking, Carl Anthony towns has been a guy who's quit on his team so many times. It's ridiculous. And, you know, he's a guy that like has that around the league. And you talk about all these, these, you know, talking heads around the NBA who have, who have picked a team, like Minnesota or picked Minnesota to take this great leap. And typically they don't take the great leap because he doesn't show up mm. and he doesn't, he doesn't play all the games that he should be playing. And he, he doesn't take that step that makes his team better. Even like we saw this year, the 62 point game or whatever it was. And it came in a, in a loss to a bad Charlotte Hornets team mm -hmm. and his coach completely lambasted him. Um, it, it's, it's weird how, Again, like Anthony Edwards is is now the media darling that that De'Aaron Fox was last year. And so you're kind of waiting for this moment. Like, heaven forbid you compare stats between guys like Steph Curry and De'Aaron Fox or guys like Anthony Edwards and De'Aaron Fox, like, and then make a decision on, you know, who really does deserve to be there. So I'm kind of with you. I, I want to see if... If OKC, okay, if if the T Wolves, I mean, because both of those teams could come right back down to earth. The Kings are like on the bubble of that; they're on the top of that second tier. Mm -hmm. But that first tier is so catchable, especially when you look at the teams that are there and how they haven't been there before and how they haven't had this sort of success before. And I kind of want to see, you know, if the Kings can claw back in and and catch up to the teams at the top of the uh, of the Western Conference standings. Yeah, you know, the, the the Kings are playing well enough. It's a question of either will any of those four teams play bad enough to fall back a little bit. I don't think Denver will, especially with health. I don't think they'll ever be that inconsistent. The same with the Clippers. They're on a run right now that should be terrifying for the entire conference. But I'm with you in, in keeping my eye on Minnesota and Oklahoma City uh, moving forward. My bigger hope is that the Kings create some separation from, you talk about that third tier, right? Push the... If, if, if Phoenix wants to stay in the second tier, somehow push the Pelicans uh, down into that third tier to where the the Kings' um, top six guaranteed playoff spot gets solidified 
a little bit quicker and they're not in the mix for the play-in too late in this season. Yeah, what I would love to do too, I, you know, even if you can stick around and, and somehow find your way to number four mm-hmm. and, and then match up against one of those young teams, whether it's Minnesota or uh, it's it's uh, OKC. I'd love to play OKC in the first round. Mm-hmm. Just like everyone said last year, they'd love to play the Kings in the first round. Yeah, I mean, the Kings have had their number every single time they played. So that that is a team that I kind of circle and like, hey, that wouldn't be a bad matchup. You don't want to do is play the Clippers. Uh, nope. You don't want to play the Pelicans in the first round. Like these matchup, like these teams that are just really, really bad matchups. Unless, unless heaven forbid, you go out and you do something between now and Thursday and you go out and try to clear up some of the issues that you have as a team and and try to bring in somebody to slow down a, a Kawhi Leonard or a Paul George or, uh, you know, a Brandon Ingram, one of those guys that you know you're going to face in that in in first or second round of the playoffs. So, yeah, lots of uh, lots of intrigue here, man. I, I, I don't know. Like, this has been a, a really interesting season for the Kings. The roller coaster ride has just been wild, and and it's like expectations seem to have gotten to them a couple of times. But even saying that, they're still like the last year they didn't get to ten games over until game sixty. This year they got there at game forty eight. Mm. Uh, you know they were um, at this point last season they were a solid team, but they they hadn't really taken that next step where you get to ten games. And ten games is sort of a magic number, sort of not, but. It is a it's a big number because once you get there, it's kind of easy to stack on some extra wins, especially in the second half of the season when some of these teams just bail on the on the year. And the Kings have plenty of games against those teams that, you know, are either bottom of the Eastern Conference or bottom of the Western Conference. Well, you brought it up. Uh, is there a move to be made over the course of the next four days that helps clean up some of the issues that Sacramento may have? Yeah, it's intriguing. Um, should there be a move? Yeah, there probably should be. Uh, will there be a move? I, I don't know. So you let's know, start with that. Been... You 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 say there should be a move. Where like there should be a move like like a top five player move, like a like a starting position move, or there should be a move like hey, that second unit needs to be cleaned up a little bit. That's what we're looking at. Well, I mean, clearly the second unit needs to be cleaned up, but the second unit needs to be cleaned up could be solved by bringing in a player that fills that, that makes it to the first unit and pushes one of the first unit guys back to the second unit, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, there's all kinds mm-hmm. of ways to, to piece this thing together and get, and, and get better. Right. Um, like if I were looking at this as the GM of the team, I would probably be looking really, really hard at, at some of these long athletic forwards just because, like, look, that's that's going to be the sticking point. That's going to be what limits you in the playoffs. If you can't somehow defend one of these long athletic guys, you're, you're going to get beat, you know? And for me, if I'm looking at, uh, like, the way that the Kings have advantages at specific positions, like, there's no one in the league that can stay in front of De'Aaron Fox, and, and there's no one in the league uh, with Steven Adams out of action, Um and with Kevon Looney not being in the playoffs, they can really limit Demonis Sabonis either. There's a couple of players who who have some have a chance against Sabonis, but and there are a couple of teams in the league that have done a nice job of slowing down De'Aaron Fox. But you have major advantages at those positions. The problem is that you're giving up so much at 
at that wing defender position. And, you know, again, Keegan Murray has come along. He's become a much better defender, but that doesn't mean you need another Keegan Murray. Realistically, you need another guy who can do what he does and maybe do it better. And, and they don't have that player. And so it's not a knock on Harrison Barnes. I would be perfectly fine with a, a trade that, you know, saw the Kings going out and getting a guy like Kyle Kuzma or, or Jeremy Grant and holding on to Harrison Barnes and making, and, and again, if there's some way to do that and hold on to the core of your group and, and then have Harrison Barnes be your seventh man, man, that's a good team. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I'm kind of at. Like, I, I think that there is a way for this team to get better. Although I don't, I'm not on the phone with these teams. I'm not, I don't know what the deal is that they want. And I also, I brought this up on the insiders earlier today, but you know, there is this saying that, that when you get to the off season, if you do make the playoffs and your first round pick goes to the Atlanta Hawks, it resets the Stepien rule. And so you go from a team that has some difficulty trading a first round pick until like 2028. But if that 2024 pick goes away, you can trade your 25, your 27, your 29 and your 31. You now get to go back to seven years out. You can trade back to back picks. You just can't trade them in the future. And so that's where like the Kings right now, they can have traded their 2024 and then turn around after the draft and trade their 2025. There is that possibility. And so like you would have a lot more ammunition this summer. And maybe, maybe that's a better idea to wait until the summer. Uh, especially since most of your other players are under contract already, except for, except for Malik Monk. Maybe it does make more sense then to, to really go all in on a move, but like we see the limitations, right? Everyone sees the limitations of this team. They're not good defensively. They haven't really improved defensively. They're like three better than they were last year as far as defensive rating. It's just the rest of the league is much worse defensively and, and a lot better offensively this season. But yeah, I would definitely be aggressive heading into Thursday and I would look for a move that ramp things up a bit. Why do you think so much better defense on the road? Like the numbers are pretty staggering. It was like top, I think the number was eight. It was certainly top 10, but I think they were eighth in the league defensively on the road. And then, you know, 20 something at home. It's virtually identical to what in last year. And we were trying to figure out and work through ways like, why is this such a dramatic difference between defending on the road and defending at home? I remember at some point, I think it was De'Aaron last year that said, Sometimes we just rely on the home at home. Or I don't remember what player said it. I think it was De'Aaron. But sometimes, you know, at home we just we rely on the home crowd. We get up and down. You know, we 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 feed off the noise. But on the road, we're more locked in, which I found both fascinating and frustrating. In that, like, hey, that's terrific. You were able to identify the problem, but clearly you can't do anything about it because it feels like you're doing the exact same thing here this year. Yeah. I I don't know why they're not I, and they're better at home this year for sure. I think they have a, a six 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 win percentage at home, six six seven win percentage. So they are better at home than they were last year. But the defensive disparity doesn't make a lot of sense. And I, I guess it can just be that you're riding the wave of the crowd, that you're trying to put on a show for your home crowd, that 
you're scoring in bunches for your home crowd and in return you're giving up bunches of points that can all be part of it um but you know i it, this dates back years and years the kings haven't been a solid home court advantage team since the glory years and they've got to figure that out they've got to really really you know if they want to be a 50 plus one team it has to come at home and i think right now they're on pace to win i think somewhere around 29 games at home um mm-hmm. they need to get that number well over 30 if they're going to if they're going to hit 50 wins um or at least like be in the low 50s like where you really want to be uh, but like they, it is a problem. It's a problem that, you know, they, they don't seem to have the defensive focus at home and they get caught up in the moment a little bit too much at home. And they use the energy of the crowd when they're at home, where a lot of these teams, when they're on the road, you know, you're not selling out to go like a lot of teams around the league aren't selling out because the Sacramento Kings are rolling in. And, you know, you go to some of these cities that you would think would be good, good NBA cities, but, don't draw a big crowd and you have to create all that energy yourself. And a lot of ways to make create that energy is to do it on the defensive end. Yeah. I wonder if the next step for this team is defense, right? And you talk about correcting some shortcomings that they have right now headed into the trade deadline. And, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not sure what's realistic. And you kind of alluded to this a minute ago, James, I don't know what's realistic really headed into uh, Thursday, or maybe not even realistic, what's truly impactful headed into Thursday. And I've been, you know, of these last two seasons, like, hey, let's, last year was great. Let's see what type of growth this team has together. Obviously, a lot of it depends on on Keegan Murray, what's next for, for, for De'Aaron and, and Domas. And next season, this upcoming offseason, headed into next season will be the first time where I look at this team like assuming this season finishes on a positive note with them continuing to play well and however things end in the playoffs, they end in the playoffs. But next year will be the first time where I look at this team and it's like, okay, you kind of got to do something now, right? Because you've got a couple of years under your belt and like I'm now like what growth are you taking? What step are you taking? And I am think I'm with you of the mindset that if something, if something that, kind of swings the momentum happens with this franchise, I think it probably happens in the offseason more likely than it happens before Thursday. It feels like, and you, you we talked about this privately, I don't think it was on, it is so awkwardly quiet around the entire league right now. The OG deal has already been done. The Siakam deal has already been done. Both of those were kind of inevitable given their contract situations and everything we know about Toronto. But Outside of that, you know, Zach Levine is out for the season. You're not really sure what what Washington is doing, and you're not really sure what Golden State's doing, and it's just kind of like, huh, Thursday may just come and go. No, I I think it is possible Thursday will come and go, but I would also say that a lot of the teams around the league are looking at the same thing I am when it comes to draft picks, and I think there are a lot of – there are a lot of situations around the league that that will improve on July 1st as far as you know the draft status like again the lakers right now have like one way off in the distance future first round pick and one pick swap to play with but you get to July 1st and all of a sudden they've got three mm-hmm. three first round picks to use um i think that that's something that like it's one of the dynamics of the league that doesn't always come into play but if you're a team 
And and I I'd even circle like the two guys that we talk about all the time, right? So if the Kings go out and get Dorian Finney-Smith, that you know that's a fair to middling move. Like it's fine. He's a rotational player. Um, he's a good defender, but we're talking about a guy who averages nine points a game. Um, you know, like a 10, 12, 13 million dollar player, right? Um, but the other two big pieces that we keep talking about are Kuzma and and Grant. And the problem that the Kings have is that both of them are under long-term deals. Like Kuzma is in the first year of a four-year deal, and uh Jeremy Grant's in the first year of a five-year deal. And so these players, there is no like ticking clock on them to trade if you're the team that has them and so for a team like the kings who are coming at uh, you know a team like washington or a team like portland like there's only so much you can offer like nobody wants a 2024 pick uh they're not it's not widely considered a good draft and, and that's okay because the kings don't have one but you know teams are going to want something from the kings and the kings don't have a lot to offer as far as like rotational pieces and then these teams that we're talking about, they, they really aren't teams that should be looking for rotational pieces. They should be teams that are looking for first round picks or first and second round picks. If you got a couple of young players, that's fine. And that's just, it's kind of the reality of the situation. The two guys who might be available that are on bad teams and they're under really long-term deals. And there's, there's not a gun to their, the head of, of the GM to trade these guys. We'll come back. Um, we'll talk more uh, about Kings basketball, uh, the future of Kings basketball, and more specifically, the immediate future of Kings basketball as they'll take on the red-hot Cleveland Cavaliers. And because that game's at 4 o'clock, we'll be your official – sorry, can't say that. I'm getting in trouble. Be your unofficial pregame show here to get you ready for the Sacramento Kings and the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's Steelo and KC along with our man James Ham here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. James and I are having one of the most ridiculous conversations of all times. James and I do not bond over music at all. I thought no. I, th- I thought I had an olive branch here with the Chicago reference, and he was like, "Nope," but saw Boston, so I was like, "Well, all right." No, no, I would love to see Chicago. I, I you know, so it's funny. But, I'm looking at the uh, picture of Chicago. There's like 20 of them. Like I don't, I didn't realize Chicago was such a Chicago used to tour with In Fire, and those shows were amazing. Okay. Yeah, I would. I would have done Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've been to a lot of shows. That, me and Sean. Well, Sean Cunningham has been to every show ever. He's he is the concert uh, god. He is. He to a lot of. But I've been to. I mean, if my sort of genre of music, like I've been to a lot of shows, and I've seen a lot of great bands that you know are fading or or gone now. So, what would you consider I've, your genre of music? Eighties rock. Um, eighties and classic rock. I don't know. Uh, power ballads. I don't know. Like a uh, big journey guy. See, James is the reason we can't beat the Eagle. That's what it is. We keep coming up second to, to the Eagle over there and their classic rock music. And it's all because of James Ham. Well, if we Damn wore it, shorts more often, <laughs> woof. <laughs> yeah. well, we might have a chance to beat Justin Case. I don't think my man Justin Case owns a pair of pants. He's got. I think his... he wore pants. He wore something the other day that shocked us all. We're like, wait a sec, is he wearing some sort of pants-like thing? 
Yeah. I refuse to believe it. I did. I, I refuse to believe it. My man has denim shorts on every day, regardless of the weather <laughs> conditions. <laughs> every single day, my man is rocking those. Justin, literally the nicest dude on the planet, man. Love that guy. Uh, yeah, love that we talk guy. over coffee. Over love, coffee every morning. And love Big 12 basketball. It's number eight versus number eight Kansas at Kansas State coming up uh, at 545 ESPN 1320 is your exclusive radio home of the NCAA men's basketball tournament for like the third or fourth year in a row, man. Great stuff right there. Um, James, coming up in about 25 minutes, we've got Kings basketball there in Cleveland uh, taking on one of the hottest teams uh, in the league right now, the Sacramento Kings. Uh, pretty hot themselves. Uh, both teams playing really, really, really good basketball. There's been a shift uh, for the Sacramento Kings. It feels like some of the ups and downs from the early part of the season uh, are gone, and now they're headed in a stretch here where we often talk about the stretch coming out of the All-Star game. James, I got to imagine this stretch going into the All-Star game is pretty difficult. You're ending a road trip. You're coming home for a couple. You got some road games. I got to imagine, you know, regardless of the teams, this stretch right here is pretty difficult because you kind of see a semi-finish line in sight where you get to catch your breath a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I I think one of the advantages to not making the All-Star team is that you don't have to go to the All-Star game. And as of right now, yeah. Uh, the Kings will be represented by Keegan Murray. Hey, and Keegan. Uh, that's a big break. You know, uh, the the first half of the season, as you know, it's kind of broken up. It's not really the first half. But, you know, the pre-All-Star break schedule ends on February 14th. And then you still have 28 games to play after that. But it's a like they finish with a, with a fury here. Like you've got the Pistons, which is a really good, like get back home after a long break game to play. Uh, and you can't slip up there against a, a bad Pistons team, but then you got the nuggets, you got OKC, you've got Phoenix and, and you got the nuggets again. And then you play the nuggets again mm. at, on February 28th. So in the next three weeks, they're going to play the nuggets three times and they have played well against the nuggets in the past, but I, I'm not sure like playing well against the nuggets you know, it, it, that's one thing, but like trying to battle them this many times in this small of a window, they're really, really difficult. And Mike Malone wants nothing more to stomp the Kings every time he plays them. So it's very grown up. I think it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting uh, couple of weeks here, play, especially when it comes to like that matchup in particular. Yeah. yeah you mentioned the, the, the Detroit game coming up before the Denver game. Also, I think there's a, 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 a San Antonio game too. Uh, I think coming right out of the all-star break on the 22nd, I think that's San Antonio. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Denver uh, in, in successive order is tough, but this is what we did last year. We looked ahead to that schedule and said, it's tough, it's tough, it's tough, it's tough. And the Kings were playing good basketball. We see the Kings playing really good basketball right now, and this is just kind of one of those things where you hope they don't let up. And let up doesn't mean lose to Cleveland tonight. Cleveland's a good basketball team. I would love for the Kings to get them. I also hate when the Kings have, like, a weird advantage, like they've beaten a really, really good Cleveland Cavaliers time team three times in a row. Those types of things always make me antsy because – that locker room in Cleveland knows that they've lost to Sacramento three times, and I hate stuff like that. 
Yeah, that's never a good thing. Um, but again, they do have some questionable players tonight. Jared Allen's questionable. I haven't been able to catch up to see if anything's changed. And Darius Garland was added to the injury report as questionable today. Uh, so, like, look, this is a team that that has a ton of talent, a ton of top-tier picks. Uh, they went out and they gave it all up for uh, for Donovan Mitchell. And, you know, they're trying to push to be really, really good. Um, but there's also you know, that little dark cloud that's hanging out in the background that, you know, Donovan Mitchell might not want to be there all that much longer. And I, I don't think anything will happen between now and Thursday, but that's always something to look forward to it. Well, well to look out for, yeah. um, just real yeah, quick, James, you've, you've been busy with me. Uh, Jared Allen and Darius Garland are both available for tonight's game. Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, they're a good team. Jared, and, Jared Allen's a monster. I really, I, I like Jared Allen a lot. I like I this. Too, I actually like this Cleveland Cavaliers team. What Sabonis does to, to Jared Allen is just unfair most no, of the time. Hate to see it. He, yeah, he just, uh, you know, he he gets into his chest, shoves him right underneath the basket, and goes up for for easy easy scores. So I don't know if that's going to be the case tonight, but I would be surprised if it wasn't because he's played well against these guys multiple times. And, you know, they're long and athletic, but if you if you don't worry about that and you just attack, then you should be just fine. This is, you know, the Kings are a good team. Cleveland's a good team. Um, you know, and heaven forbid, if the Kings somehow find a way to go six and one on a seven game road trip, mm. that'd be pretty wild. Yeah, that'd be that's a that that. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty amazing. Uh, as is the Sacramento Kings weird relationship with free throws. Uh, they were they shot, <laughs> they shot free throws really well uh, against uh, Chicago. I think it was eighty two percent against Chicago. That was coming a night after the Indiana game, which they won. I think it was by double digits. I think it was by eleven, and they shot like sixty two percent in that game. And of course, you have the ultimate weirdo game of the century, where the Kings go six of ten from the free throw line. And De'Aaron goes six of ten from the free throw line, and no one else shoots a free throw. What? Clearly, this is just going to be a season long thing where they just have this weird relationship with the free throw line. But what do you think it is? Like, is is it is it just mental? Like, what is it? Oh yeah, it's mental. I mean, I don't like. I don't think there's any other way to sugarcoat it. Um, you know. When you typically have a team that is this bad as a as a collective, uh, free throw shooting wise, it's because you have one player that is just the worst free throw shooter ever, right? And that player is usually one of your top tier guys. So think like Shaq, right? Mm -hmm. um, or even like when the the Clippers couldn't keep DeAndre Jordan on on the court late in games because he would get fouled and miss free throws. There's always like one player that just stands out that that can't shoot free throws at all. And that's not really the case. The Kings have a bunch of guys who, you know, should be decent free throw shooters between 80 and 90%. And sure their top two guys aren't great free throw shooters in Fox and Sabonis, but they're not like just the worst of the worst. And you know, sure they've got to clean it up and I I actually was just looking I'm pretty sure Sabonis over his last, you know, handful of games, he's been much better. So, yeah, so over his last seven games, he's shooting 87.5% from the line. 
Um, it's only on 3.4 attempts per night, but he he's trying to get better and he's trying to do, uh, you know, hit these things. It, it does seem like there is a focus even over his last 13 games. He's shooting 82%, but they got to find a way. And, and it feels like they've got the yips a little bit in certain situations. I mean, we've seen Malik Monk go on a stretch where he couldn't hit any free throws at all. We, I mean, he cost them a game, maybe two where he missed free throws in crunch time. It's something that like, it's a mental block. It's something they have to figure out and they need to get in, uh, whether it's like sports psychologists coming in and hanging out with individual players or as a group, whatever it is, they've, they've got to figure it out and, and just keep shooting them a practice. You mentioned the possibility of this team going six and one on this road trip, which would obviously be extraordinary, but at this point they are five and one. Has that, changed has this stretch or and, and we can expand it a little bit further out has this stretch of basketball from the Sacramento Kings changed your perception on what this team might be at all this year not really I mean yeah they they're on a better path right now but this is all coming on a four game losing tr- uh losing streak you know you've got to show me that you can do it for more than one week on one week off one week off uh one week on mm-hmm. I mean that's that's kind of a problem Right. So, uh, I don't know. I also, it wouldn't change what I, what I do at the deadline at all either. Again, I, I think that was always a danger coming into this stretch. And, you know, they, I'd say they keep mentioning this on the, the broadcast that this is the first time the Kings have ever won five games on a seven game road trip. And they reference like the, the early 2000s Kings. I just want to point out that the early 2000 Kings, like they didn't play seven game road trips. So, there's nothing to compare it to. Um, and they did actually, like in back-to-back years in 01 and 02 and like 02, 03, they did play one six-game road trip where they went 6-0 and and another the next year they had a six-game road trip where they went 5-1. and So uh, that stat just keeps getting shoved out there and I'm not quite sure why because, I mean, sure, it, it's factual, but it's kind of misleading uh, because the Kings have actually had better road trips than this in their history in Sacramento. Well, it can't be worse than the other stat that's getting thrown out there. The the uh, de, the DeMontis Sabonis is the franchise leader for consecutive double doubles. <laughs> that, I felt well, then, so bad. For those that don't know, that stat was everywhere. It was on NBA. It was on ESPN. The Kings had to issue a follow-up saying, we're sorry, the the previous research or whatever, that's actually inaccurate. They thought the franchise leader, they thought it was like 29 or 30 from... 31, Oscar Robertson, and he should have tied it and last it's, game. And it's actually like 42? Oh, no, it's worse than that. Oh, yeah. The, the, <laughs> the total streak Tomas over isn't even seasons... Close. The total streak over two seasons is 55. Oh, my God. Yeah, and Domas isn't even the, close. The single season streak is 45. Okay. And for some reason, it was Stathead that was pulling up the wrong stats, but Elias was able to correct it. And, yeah, it's it's Jerry Lucas has, like, the longest streak of all time, which yeah, that just, if, if you have. That just yeah. came out of nowhere. It was like, oh, Gosh. Yeah, we were all sitting here waiting for it to. I, I'm. I may even had a part of my six quick thoughts. Oh, he's about to. He's tying the record tonight, and then it's like, oh no, no, <laughs> it's not even close. Yeah. I mean, he's 
I think right now he's tied for the second longest streak, but that other streak, the single game and what uh, the double double in a single season, it I believe is forty five, and and yeah, over two seasons so it's fifty five. It's forty six, uh, and he 46, is he's bad. tied with Jerry Lucas, who also had thirty. Uh, and Oscar Robertson had 29. That's the that's the single season streak. The longest streaks for overlapping in the season. That's the 55 you were referring to. That stretched from uh, January of uh, 68 into the beginning of the next season. Yeah. I th- I I can't lie. I thought that was funny. I was like, oh, Domas isn't even close to the record. We don't have to talk about this for four or five months. <laughs> yeah, we got we got a long we got time. a lot of time. Poor I mean, man. and the funny thing is that he's come up against it last couple of games where you're like, oh, is he gonna not get a double double? Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's like he can't score all of a sudden, or you know, there's one game where he went into halftime with two rebounds, and by the late third quarter, he had nine, and you're like, oh, he's got this one again. So yeah, it, it's kind of fun. I like I. I I'm not going to bag on the guys who, who messed up the stat um, or, you know, it, it happens. It happens to everybody with that stuff, but um, yeah, it's going to be a long time. Like, and, and it's not like you get a plaque for it or anything. It's just a franchise record. He owns a Sacramento rec, uh, era. Well, that's the and thing. that's by a long shot. That's all I care about. Like with all due respect to our ancestors, I'm good. <laughs> like, come on. Like, what are we talking hey, about? I'm, I don't care. Jerry, about- Jerry Lucas was a bad man. That's you fine. should go look at his. No, you should go look at his stats. That's fine. <laughs> he was on. Was he? I don't even know if he was Kansas City or Rochester, but unless Cincinnati, bruh, Cincinnati. come on, man. Like I don't care. Like tell me, he's got the longest streak in Sacramento. Hey, he's got the Kings record in. And the uh, during the sixty five sixty six season, Jerry Lucas averaged twenty one point five points and twenty one point one rebounds. <laughs> Per game. Boy, that's that Will era. How tall was Jerry Lucas? Six eight. He also shot really five percent from the three. So I'm wondering, didn't track which was what was offensive and what was defensive. Yeah, he was a six foot eight power forward. He's eight. He's still a, still alive. He's eighty three years old. Yeah. Well, could he get a double double today? Well, oh. modern NBA probably <laughs> misses out there. If he was on the Hawks, he probably could. Um, That's true. Domas is also racking up triple doubles. They got Malik Monk on the screen. Most assists off the bench. Most twenty point twenty point game bench. Most clutch points off the bench. Most clutch field goals made off the bench. On the heels of two worthy All Stars being snubbed, is there any shot Malik Monk actually wins the the Six Man of the Year award this year? Hmm. Yes, uh, mainly to drive up the price and maybe outprice him out of Sacramento. Oh, that because be that would be like a fantastic. league-wide conspiracy. It'd be fantastic. See? Yeah. incredible. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Uh, he's funny. This. He says, "Hey, I should have won it last year." He's he said that multiple times. I All like right. his. I really appreciate Malik and his whole disposition. Like he was asked about the guys getting snubbed from the All Star game, and he's just like, "I'm not surprised. People still sleeping on Sacramento." 
Like he didn't like I yeah you know I get I get and then that that to me that's one thing I just appreciate about Malik is like if you like he's just going to answer like he's going to tell you exactly what he's thinking he's not going to try to give you a soundbite he's literally going to tell you exactly what he's thinking Mike took a different approach obviously Mike was really really upset about those guys not making the All Star team and that's what I would hope my coach would be if we were snubbed out of some honor but I just appreciated the fact that Malik was like no I'm not surprised people still ain't because. Outsiders think it's just us. Oh, you guys don't think anyone's paying attention to Sacramento? No, the players don't either. Malik, like, yeah, y'all ain't paying attention to us. Y'all still sleeping on us. It's fine. It's fine. Keep it moving. I agree. Oh, James is trying to sneeze. No, that was good. He's trying. He, y'all can't see this. James is trying to mute and he's trying to sneeze and he's trying to have my back and the whole deal. I, I, it's all right. It's all right. I, I James. figured it out. It went away. I guess uh, it may come back. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think. You know, the league is so they fall in love with like the shiny penny, right? And right now the shiny penny is a Timberwolves and and OKC. And they've just moved on from the Kings. The Kings aren't interesting anymore because it's not new. And sure enough, it if they they make it past the first round, everyone will be like, Oh my gosh, we knew this team was gonna be this good. We just didn't know it like whatever. It's it's a weird place that the Kings are in because they go from the darlings one year to just left out the next. And so weird. Like I I hope that I hope that it is like the driving force behind what they do for the rest of the season. I hope so. I hope it's the driving force from this uh, increase in defensive presence that we've seen from De'Aaron Fox and. You know, stats-wise, we have two of the better defending point guards uh, in the league tonight. Donovan actually had a rough night the last time the Sacramento Kings and Cleveland Cavaliers played uh, earlier this season in November. So um, I'm hoping to see that continue. I don't have swing stats or keys to a game or prize picks. Uh, I just want to see these two these two premium point guards go at it because Donovan is nasty, man. They're actually doing a breakdown right here. It looks like Keegan might draw the assignment. They're showing a breakdown of Keegan. I guess uh, while Keegan is the prime defender, Donovan was 2 of 10 uh, the last time these two teams played. And, you know, Keegan has just emerged as just such a really great defender that the whole trajectory of this team, I feel like, sits on his shoulders. I I totally agree with that. And tonight, if I'm Mike Brown, I... I hit him with Keegan as much as possible. But then when you, if Keegan gets in foul trouble, if you've got to go a different direction or Keegan will need a break, I'd hit him with, with Davion. Davion is, has played Donovan really well and gets like, gets into his, like into his body. Like he, he is, uh, he gets super aggressive. And I think between the two of them, you can give them really, really different looks that both could be impactful. So, I don't know. It's a it's a pretty big um, it's a bit pretty big game tonight. I, this is you want to finish strong. You don't want to make yeah. excuses for you know coming up short on a like on, on a really long road trip. Like go finish it. Go go leave it all out there and see what happens. Uh, should be pointed out too before we go. Cleveland really really good at home as of late. Uh, they're seventeen and eight, uh, but I think they've won eight home games in a row. Uh, big thanks to James Ham for spending a little extra time with me. Thanks to Will Z for being with us. Most of all, thank you for joining us. Are we going to run it back to the game? Okay, we're going to run it back before we head out uh, to Big uh, 12 basketball. I was going to say there's more Kings coverage on the way, but 
Who am I kidding? Uh, I'm going to head over to 102.5 here, and we'll see you tomorrow beginning at 10 a.m. with the Insiders on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.